I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is Slice by Slice, a podcast where we dissect and discuss horror films by categories and subgenres, such as Kick-Ass Santa, Killer Robots, Franchises, and Director's Bodies of Work. And of course, we can't dissect and discuss these films in the detail we do without spoilers. I hope you all have your eggnog ready, because we sure as hell do. Yeah. Mine's got a cracking gold in it. Ooh, I just bought the premixed Evan Williams bullshit, but the eggnog can only mean one thing. Episode 86 is our Christmas 2023 episode. Fuck yeah. As per usual, we're recording this one on December 30th, <laughs> and I'll try my best to get it out in the next week. Okay, now this one is 100% my fault. We could have recorded like weeks ago, but between having power problems at my house, my dryer not working, which is still fucked up, and uh, contractors coming over for some work we're going to have done. It's just been, and, and then the holidays. Oh, and year end, and the front office lady that is my assistant quitting. It's been shitty, guys. <laughs> yeah, Josh really had no time to record, so we're lucky that we're recording it this year. <laughs> I wanted it out by Christmas, but oh well. Every year we get a little bit better. Well, we usually at least get the Christmas episode out by Christmas at least. True. Not this year. Well, I guess if we want any chance of it coming out in the next couple of days, we should probably get going. So I'll dive into the news. Let's see. Christopher Landon quit Scream 7. It's got to be officially fucked by now. Well, well, well there's, there's no coming back. <laughs> Strangers Chapter 1 comes out May of 2024, and I'm kind of excited. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited for that. It's going to be a three-parter, because- right? Yeah, it's going to be a trilogy, and it's before the first film, and I don't know. It's going to be a creepy-ass slasher if they do it right. I liked Prey at Night or whatever. It was like a good throwback to an old 80s slasher, so I'm kind of hoping for more of that. Yeah, that, that was one where I definitely liked the second one more than the first one, but we'll see. I guess my news is kind of going up and down here, but uh, here's a sad one. What We Do in the Shadows is going to end with season six. Um, I, I love the show. I think it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um, but it is getting kind of repetitive in its in its jokes. Like, I mean, it's gone there yeah. to the nth degree from the beginning. And unless there's going to be like a whole Guillermo spinoff, there's really not much more you can milk from that show. So I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah, my thoughts on it are that it's the kind of show that could go on forever, but should it? <laughs> right? Like, it's hilarious, and all you need is the jokes coming. There doesn't even have to be, like, a meta plot. It's going to be entertaining. But I have a feeling the main push of it is I saw an interview a few months ago where Matt Berry said he's getting too old to do this shit. <laughs> that's not an exact quote. That's basically what he said. He just has to sit there and make raunchy sex jokes. He'll be fine. i don't know how you feel about this but i'm kind of excited have you seen the teaser trailer for ghostbusters frozen empire yet i have not so it's the sequel to afterlife okay which i was pleasantly surprised by yeah so was i and you got the kids as ghostbusters you have paul rudd as a ghostbuster there's this ice shit attack in new york one of the taglines was for the first time in history people froze to death in new york city in july (laughs) And it looks like they're fighting like a big bad. And the trailer showed the surviving three Ghostbusters in suits fighting with the new Ghostbusters. Okay. 
So the uh, the Ghostbusters fight Time Magazine's 1970 global cooling, you know, coming apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, that's that. Uh, let's do it while we got some of them left. <laughs> so I'll go for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, here's the what the fuck news update Lost Boys, the musical, is going into production with Patrick Wilson as the producer. I, I, I got nothing. I'm, I would have to read it to figure out what the angle is. <laughs> I will say, I sat on Evil Dead, the musical, forever because of the same thought. <laughs> And I saw that you could, in fact, turn Evil Dead into a musical. Yeah, that was phenomenal. We'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> I mean, Patrick Wilson has produced, I'm pretty sure, a good bit of the James Wan films that he's in. He directed the most recent Insidious, and he also sang the credit song with Ghost playing music. So maybe he's wanting to do the music side of it and stuff. Yeah, maybe. That's what I was going to say. He's no slouch. He knows. He knows how shit goes. He's a musician. So... Him I'm okay with. It's don't you fuck up something so near and dear to me. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, depending on how old he wants to look, he could play the mom's boyfriend or the grandpa if he wanted to be in it himself. This is true. My final little bit of news is the Wolfman remake is now being directed by Lee Whannell and coming out Halloween in 2024. I'm okay with this. (laughs) Yeah, because he did a great job with Invisible Man. Like, if he was going to pick one randomly, I'm surprised he picked Invisible Man and he did something nice with it. Some people are pissed because, I, I got to look and see who it was, somebody else was attached to direct this film. And people were happy about it. And Ryan Gosselin was the producer. And I think he's still the producer, but he was also going to play the Wolfman, which would have been awesome because he has, like, <laughs> huge range and he's a phenomenal actor. But he's no longer the Wolfman. They hired somebody else. I can't think of his name either. I'm sorry. You can Google it or look it up on IMDb. I hadn't seen that he was in a lot, but the shows that he was in, like everybody was just like, this guy's great and he's needed his his break. Okay. So I don't know. Lee Winnell's probably going to make a badass Wolfman movie if he does whatever secret formula he did for the Invisible Man remake. Well, the way the Invisible Man was modernized was was great and and the the world that it took place in so i i'm i'm okay with this he does a good job of like re-envisioning the story right exactly. and moving or at least he did that one time so if he could do it again we're in good shape yes it probably also depends if he's writing it but i don't remember if he wrote invisible man so man i don't th- I, don't, I, I don't know <laughs> we'll all wait and see <laughs> we'll all wait and see that's all i have for news do you have anything Rumors are circulating that uh, next Halloween Horror Nights, there will be no paper maps, which sucks because okay. we collect them. And like the last two years, the app hasn't fucking worked. So that sucks. But uh, I got to do some more reading on it uh, about where this nugget has come from. But that's uh, all I got. Well, if they bump the infrastructure up a bit, because that's what it is. It's just overloaded. The app should work. That shouldn't be an issue. As far as design... I guarantee you they're not going to make a new template for their maps. They're going to use the same file they used to make the foldable brochures, and it's going to be a PDF you view. So likely you should probably be able to download it and then go print it out and have it folded properly like Kinko's or something and still collect them. If they're smart enough to do that, yes. But of course, you can always pull one off of one of the other websites. So one way or another, 
we'll know where the hell we're going. The uh, the sprung tents going away rumor. Now that I'm thinking about the only news I ever read about. <laughs> so the sprung tents are definitely going to be there for at least one more year. Permits do show that something else is going to be built in that area, but not quite yet. So it may be a smaller building and we keep the sprung tents for longer than everyone's thinking or year after next, we lose the sprung tents and another parade side size building goes in and you know we get another big ass building that could fit one or two big houses which i'm cool either way i like the sprung tents that they always do outside facades that they don't get to do anywhere else which makes them very charming and they're the most claustrophobic houses yeah um which i really like so uh, bittersweet but more room means more room yeah and we get a whole fucking monsters land just a year and a half in a year and a half so i'll take it those are the houses that are a pain in the ass to get to and cause a lot of the retracing your steps and walking. Oh, yeah. So if they put a building there, maybe they can make a path to it. Oh, yeah. There's already been people going nuts saying, well, if it goes here, they can reroute this and we won't have the crossover bottleneck thing we had last year. And uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll just have to wait and see because I agree that hike back there sucks. Well, I guess we'll call it there for the news and move on to announcements. So Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Yeah, yeah. Those things. And this is the season five finale. Hey! And I'll just go ahead and let you guys know, season six is going to start out at the end of January, I hope to God, with Horror Musicals 2. Yeah. And I've got mine down to two picks, and I haven't decided which one of the two. But we'll know in about a month. My hand was forced for me because one of the most requested things we ever get is to do Anna and the Apocalypse. (laughs) And that was my original choice for my Christmas film this year. And I put it on the back burner again. And I didn't want the upset mail. So you're not getting it for Christmas, but you will be getting it in a month for the musicals episode because it fits both categories. I'm not showing my hand yet. (laughs) (laughs) It's just that it, it really would not have paired well with Josh's film. Nothing pairs well with my film. Alcohol alcohol pairs well with my film. (laughs) As far as updates and corrections, nothing was emailed to me in the past few weeks, and I don't have any notes because it wasn't a normal episode and it was completely fucking opinion-based. So Yeah, take that. Yeah. (laughs) So that means we're going to dive into what we watched and then our films. So I watched all three black Christmas films. That doesn't surprise me. Back to back. I had never seen the newest two. Oh, okay. So the original still my favorite. The first remake did a really good job of coming up with a backstory for a killer and not yeah. making it stupid. It's one of the few slasher films I can say that about. And it had cool kill scenes. Other than that, it's a pretty mad movie. The newest one, the Blumhouse one, it had Imogen Poots in it as a star. She's a great actress, so she carried it. Honestly, I thought it was a good movie. But you could tell somebody wrote a slasher flick and somebody at Blumhouse or somewhere was like, hey, let's make it a black Christmas movie because it barely involved Christmas. The Christmas plot did not explain the absences as well as it did in the other films. And you could have completely removed the entire Christmas aspect from the film and it would not have changed it in any way. So I kind of wish it would have been its own thing and not, hey, let's shoehorn it as a black Christmas remake. I agree with that because we watched both of those. The older remake, I like better. The newer remake was, like you said, it wasn't a Black Christmas movie. It was an assault revenge movie. and Partially, but it was also like a cult. 
Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. a cult, but a cult <laughs> folklore, witchcraft, right? Like it was all of that. Yes. Completely its own thing. And it was neat, right? It was a good idea. I liked the the statue and the guy did the black magic, kind of like Hitler was into and shit like that. It's a pretty cool idea. I think Imogen Poots gr- carried that film while it was kicking and screaming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But she's always great and shit. So there's that. I watched Anna and the Apocalypse. No shit. Yep, yep. Because <laughs> I thought I was going to cover it, but I watched it anyways. The original Gremlins, The Fat Man, because I love that film. Still haven't seen it. Oh my God, you got to watch it. Die Hard with my 10-year-old son, so nice. that he could weigh in on the, is it a Christmas film argument? It's a fucking Christmas film. <laughs> yeah, he, he decided that too. <laughs> I'm wearing the only Christmas shirt I own other than Krampus, and it's a fucking Die Hard shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, of course, watch Christmas classics like Christmas Vacation, Home Alone, Elf, A Christmas Story, A Christmas Story Story, which is the recent sequel, etc. I love watching Christmas movies. It was fun. And I watched Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon, which was his Star Wars movie pitched to Disney that he wanted to make that was rated R. And they basically told him to go fly a kite. So he made his own movie without the intellectual property of Star Wars. Okay. I thought it was kind of fun. It's getting shit on regularly, but it was kind of neat. And I randomly watched this movie. You don't have a sucker for vampire films. There was a yeah. new vampire film on Netflix that it recommended to me called Dampier. Okay. It's not great. <laughs> it wasn't bad, but it wasn't great. It had kind of a cool backstory. I think if like you had some more seasoned vets at the helm, it could have actually been a pretty decent movie. It'd make a cool video game series. Okay. But you see, like, one of these witches got knocked up by a vampire lord because, like, the high vampire lords have that ability. The baby's born. It's hidden because they don't want the vampires to know about it. The vampires usually kill the dampiers, and it's because they can kill vampires really easy, which that goes that way back and forth. Yeah. And then it cuts, like, a century or so into the future, and he's, like, in his late 20s, early 30s or something, and he's a con artist acting like he's a dampier going through Europe and, like, exercising the cemeteries. <laughs> <laughs> but he actually is a dampier and some vampires attack like some army. And one of the guys knows about a dampier and goes and gets someone. He has to go fight the vampire lords. Well, that sounds cool. It was a thing. It was a thing. Watch it once. You'll probably like it. Okay. <laughs> Enough to have said that wasn't a complete waste of time, but you'll never watch it again after that. <laughs> so what'd you watch? All right. Well, we, we did the normal Christmas thing. So like gremlins, Jack Frost, uh, Krampus. I can do without that one. Krampus. I should have watched Krampus. Santa Slay. Oh, I didn't watch that this year either. We watched quite a few, and I finally got Ginger to kind of watch Die Hard. We had it on the background while we were, <laughs> we were playing a game. But aside from the Christmas stuff, um, Squid Game the Challenge. Have you watched that? The actual game show based on Squid Game? No, I haven't even watched Squid Game. Oh, wow. Okay, well... We'll get back to that because I have beef with it and it's in the news about beef about it. But you need to, if you're going to watch it, watch it first. We watched the first two thirds of the first season while we were packing to go out of town and just never went back to it. It wasn't bad, but it just didn't grab me like it did the rest of the world. Monsters of California. Have you seen that yet? No, I almost started it a couple of times, but I was like, I need to watch a Christmas movie. Okay. I'll hold my opinion. I, I, I did that. Um, we watched Exorcist Believer. I was not, I wasn't unhappy, but I was not impressed. I, I was right. That's what I said. I, I was like, it's not a bad movie, but it's also just kind of like there. It it's felt just like, like an Exorcist just a film, thing. Though. 
Yeah, atmosphere was good, but the story didn't suck me in. Ginger made me watch this short called Finley. Do you know about this? Okay. No. Okay, so it's a it's it, Finley is a ventriloquist. Oh God, I've already been drinking. He's a dummy. A ventriloquist dummy, right? Yeah, that that word, yeah. But you need to just see it because he comes to life and uh, he's a killer, or at least he thinks he is, and that's all I'm gonna say. Is this magic? It doesn't matter, and it's not explained. But believe me, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you just have oh, to no, see. Oh no, there's it. a movie called Magic from the '80s. Oh, it's a slasher movie. Oh with a no, 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 dummy. I know exactly what movie you're talking about. No, 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 this is way better than that. But just get past the first few minutes, and, and <laughs> it, it gets good. It's a Wonderful Knife, which I think was hot garbage. Oh, I watched that one too. That was I like so I was gonna make my list as I went and I didn't, and then I tried to cram it all in when I made my notes the other day. <laughs> I actually like that movie. Really? I didn't like it at all. <laughs> I'll tell you why I liked it. One, it had a good cast. Two, somehow they made a horror Hallmark Christmas movie. Oh, I'll give you like that. It had that vibe. <laughs> and three, it really felt like a Christmas movie. Yeah, it, it, it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I'd watch it. Actually, I might watch that one every year. I like oh, really? it. I thought it was neat. Yeah, yeah, because it really feels like a Christmas film, but it's definitely a horror movie too because of the slasher aspect. I thought it was kind of neat. Going way off from horror and Christmas, um, Cock Blockers, that's a pass in my opinion. It's a comedy. Love and Monsters, which is actually from a few years ago, yeah. was surprisingly good. Okay, it's so good. You, with the giant bugs. Okay. Margie even liked it. You know, she doesn't like horror movies, and we put it on a, on a whim. It was like New Year's, like a couple of years ago or whatever. And we were both pleasantly surprised. It was just a fun flick. And it was pretty funny, too. Yeah. And it's one of those that's like, for the most part, safe for kids, too. Yeah. As far as like a creature feature that, that kids could watch. Here comes the hate mail and Josh getting heavily edited, which you'll probably end up editing that part out, too. Leave the world behind. Have you seen that? Oh, I watched that, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I also watched that one. It makes me want to read the book that it's based on. Definitely. Just to see what was changed, because the hate that it's getting from the, like, diehard Republicans and the the diehard white people, because, you know, it's an Obama produced. <laughs> well, it's an Obama produced movie. And everybody forgets that when they did their deal with Netflix, like, oh, my God, the Obamas run Netflix now and we all have to cancel our subscriptions. They're probably just producers in name only. Number one. Well, Obama is a huge movie buff. Remember the entire time he was president, he would release his films of the year at the end of yeah. the year. And he's done some narration work. He loves movies. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, he's a producer. There's probably all sorts of people that you wouldn't like that produce movies. <laughs> oh, there's but a lot. you don't know who they are, so it doesn't make a difference to you. I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I'm intrigued enough to read the book because the, the, the gist of the movie is, without going into spoilers, is... Uh, it talks about how a mighty country could fall in three phases and the three phases that are mentioned in the film have pretty much already happened in this country from within. <laughs> so that part of it's interesting to me. All the people that are saying it's two hours of white people bad are dumb. I didn't get any of that, but I usually think the people that say that stuff are idiots. So. Well, you've got one character that's 
low-key racist it's not overt but it's like obvious and you reach a point where that character apologizes for thinking before she speaks and, and stuff like that it was okay the ending pissed me off <laughs> pissed margie off too i loved it but i like this weird goofy like did it really just fucking stop there <laughs> to me that was one of the coolest parts but that is definitely like a flavor thing like if you're in that or not I'm curious if that ending, which it's so new, I'm not going to spoil it, if that I, I want to see what it is in the book, because my takeaway for that ending to make it acceptable to me, I need to see what, what it said in the book. And what I said to my wife when it just ended like it did is the same thing I said two days later when we watched this other film on Netflix or Hulu or something. It's the same kind of end of the world movie. It was a few years old. I can't think of the name right now. I'm sorry. It was starring Theo James and Bonnie from the Vampire Diaries and Forrest Whitaker. And it's okay. the same kind of shit going on. Both movies, I was like on the edge of my seat the whole time, wanting to know what's going on. And they both kind of just end in the middle of it because it's a situation that's ongoing and it's never going to end. Or you wrap it in some weird bow, which sucks. Or everybody dies, which nobody is ever okay with that in a movie except for Cabin in the Woods. So I think <laughs> like ending in a weird, crazy spot when shit's going down, because the other movie does the same thing, like, they're driving away with this giant storm chasing them and they basically just kiss each other and say they love each other and they outrun the storm and the credits roll. Okay. I don't need to know what happens to them after that because it could go on for 20 years. Right. <laughs> so I don't know. I, end of the world movies need to know when to end. And I think both of those did. It's just one of them took a comedic approach that I thought was fucking hilarious. <laughs> well, if you ever wanted to see an end of the world movie that isn't, but feels like it was made by Jordan Peele and M night Shyamalan, <laughs> that's what this feels like. at times. <laughs> um, few more here till death do us part. Terrible. Don't watch it. Okay. It's a uh, husband and wife and the seven evil groomsmen that she has to fight. And it's just not good. So it's a uh, Scott Pilgrim knockoff. That's what we hoped it was. And it wasn't. And it was made by dude who did the original final destination. So we thought we were going to get something and just no <laughs> ginger and her creature features, the killing tree where a murderous son is reincarnated in a Christmas tree that goes on a killing huh. spree. It exists. That's all I have to say about it. I already <laughs> said Die Hard. Um, couple more here. Ginger made me watch The Children. Have you seen that? Did you tell me about that? I don't know if I've seen that one or not. You'll have to tell me more. Okay. Well, it's this, uh, a couple of families get together for the holidays and they got a bunch of young kids and one older kid and all the younger kids start slowly getting sick one by one. And they start off by like vomiting up this white goo. And then they start. No, having, I haven't seen that. Okay. Well then, and they're like young little kids and they start having okay. visions of like decapitations and like killing things. And huh. the kids actually start killing the adults. It is, if you're a parent, it is a hard fucking watch. And I'm not a parent because <laughs> the adults end up fighting back against the kids. And I mean, little kids. Um, and it's not a comedy at all. It is straight drama horror. I was about to say, is it more straight gore horror or is it more like drama thriller? Yeah, drama thrillers. Twist. Cooties, this is not. Lastly, just watch the whole damn thing today. Um, School Spirits on Netflix. So it didn't matter if it was Halloween or Christmas on a child's profile or an adult's profile watching a Hallmark movie or a horror movie or a comedy movie or a kid's cartoon. When it ends, it always said, watch this movie. <laughs> so I chose not to watch it because they shoved it down my throat. Well, it's eight episodes. It's not too bad. The first episode I'm like, okay, cool. I got to know what's going on by the middle of it. It gets kind of boring by the end of it. 
it gets interesting again. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to spoil it or give my final opinion on it. It's worth a watch. It's not a groundbreaking thing that needs to be recommended at the end of everything you watch, but it's worth a watch. That's all I got. Well, it sounds like we're done with housekeeping and uh, time to dive into the movie. So backstory, you know, Josh and I love to do Christmas horror movies and Christmas horror adjacent films. Yes. We can't wait until this episode every year to break out the eggnog and spread some Yuletide fear. Happy Saturnalia, everyone. Huh. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck that was, but yeah, that. And uh, we went back and forth on a few films this year. Well, at least I did. <laughs> <laughs> but we landed on Violent Night and Christmas Bloody Christmas. That both came out around the same time last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With all that being said, let's dive into 2022's Violent Night. Yay. It's directed by Tommy Workola. I hope to God I said your name right, my man. He directed Dead Snow 1 and 2, Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters, which you actually recommended to me, and I hadn't watched yet. And that's really all that stood out. I think a lot of the other stuff was shorts and whatnot, but that's his main film history right there. I love Dead Snow. I haven't seen any of his films, but I'm going to now. <laughs> <laughs> I loved this movie last year, but I didn't do a bunch of research on it. So doing it now, I'm like, okay, I got to see his other work. It was written by a writer duo, which I swear... Most of the movies I've covered this year, I feel like we're writer duos, but (laughs) Pat Casey and Josh Miller, they wrote the two recent Sonic the Hedgehog films, the live action ones, as well as Into the Dark on Netflix and 12 Deadly Days. Both Into the Dark and 12 Deadly Days are holiday anthology films. Okay. I'm going to watch them. (laughs) Oddly enough, they also did a bunch of the Hot Wheel cartoon series. All right, then. I liked Sonic movie. I watched it with my kids all the time. Good humor in it. And you see a lot of that here. Yeah. The cast. There is a metric shit ton of people in this film. So I'm only going to name a few of them and a couple of people that pop out just because of reasons. Okay. Really, I only had to say three of these people, but I felt like adding on to it. (laughs) David Harbour plays Santa Claus. And this is the David Harbour of Stranger Things, Hellboy, We Have a Ghost, Black Widow, and Suicide Squad. And if I had to pick my all-time favorite casting for a character in a film, it's this one. Oh, damn. He is the Santa. This version of Santa, he embodies it. <laughs> and he's fucking great in this film, and I'll get to that as we go on. So right. We have the main antagonist, Scrooge, played by John Leguizamo who is in a lot of shit, but a lot of unrelated shit. But some standout things, the past, right? <laughs> Mario Brothers, like the yeah. old one. Yes. Spawn. Yes. He's fucking great in Romeo and Juliet. A lot of people forget he's in Moulin Rouge singing because there's a lot of random people in that. Recently, he was in The Menu. He's the uh, like famous actor or whatever that's there with his friends. Yep. If I remember correctly, he did start out as a stand-up comedian, correct? I think so. I'm pretty sure he did. And he did like a bunch of goofy movies. Like the past was this famous one and it annoyed me, but entertained me at the same time. It's just because <laughs> it came out around Ace Ventura, right? Like was its problem, but his range is phenomenal. Like between playing hard asses and funny guys and nice guys. Hell, was he in um, the happening? Was he the teacher? Yes. That's a great example of his range. Cause there's nothing comedic about that character. Great choice for this film. Lee Brady as Trudy. It's either Lee or Leah. It depends on my typo. I'm sorry. <laughs> Pretty new actress. She hasn't been in a lot. She was in Umbrella Academy. 
which I'm not caught up on, but she shows up as like a younger version of somebody in that. She's fucking adorable in this film. Like, you know, child actors make and break these type of films. And sometimes they annoy the shit out of Josh and I. And we're like, I hope they don't make it. Right. The <laughs> fictional characters, we can say that. But she's funny and fills that adorable Christmas role and helps keep this plot going. No, she's good. I have one beef and I'm just going to say it now so I don't interject it later. Like I said, she's good. It's not a knock at her. Her character just appears too old for the role. I think that's your argument with every good child actor in a movie. It is. Well, I mean, it's like case in point, what we were just talking about school spirits. We got people in their fucking thirties playing high school kids yeah. like that. That takes me out of it. And this is one of those where I'm like, come on, this girl looks like she's 12. She would not be like this. Like, I'm just saying, I'm just no, saying. she looked appropriate age to me. <laughs> and don't forget, I actually have an eight and 10 year old kid. Well, I have a four year old also, but she's way too young for this comparison. I thought it was pretty accurate personally. <laughs> That's my only beef. Well, that and another character when we get to him, because I, I like him <laughs> and I don't like how he is in this movie, but I'll save it. Sorry. All right. So <laughs> honestly, I could have stopped there. But there was a couple other names I want to throw out. Alex Hassel plays the dad, Jason. I only mention him because this is such a random, funny, goofy role for him. He played Vicious in the live-action Cowboy Bebop remake, okay. who is a badass, evil, fucking assassin, kills the shit out of people with a katana, and is not nice at all, and kind of terrifying. And he played Translucent in The Boys, who was a shit-talking motherfucker until he got some dynamite shoved up his ass or a hand grenade or whatever it was. That's why it seems familiar to me. Okay, okay. He's British. He's done a lot of British shit. He's actually a really big British actor, but he always plays serious roles or bad guys. And the fact that he's like the goofy comedy relief dad in this film, I think is fucking awesome. <laughs> and I wanted to mention him because of that. And there's no way I could do this movie without mentioning Beverly D'Angelo as Gertrude. Most famous for all of the National Lampoon's vacation movies, especially Christmas Vacation, which is a favorite film of mine. And it's a complete departure from what she normally played. And she's a badass in this movie. Makes yes. me laugh a lot. And her dialogue and wordsmith is what makes it okay for this movie to stand next to my movie. <laughs> <laughs> And I did want to point out that Candy Kane is a stunt actress. She's been in a lot of movies, mostly TV shows, but she's played a lot of big characters. And most of the people in this movie, including some of the main characters, but it's primarily all the other characters I didn't name, have all been in several, several Christmas films. And they're basically all in any TV show that's filmed in Canada, like all of the <laughs> CW superhero shows and stuff. Most of the supporting cast of this film are from those. Okay. Because it was filmed in Canada, so they just used that crew. So most people in here have done Hallmark Christmas movies, or which is funny because going in your movie, that's a tie-in also. But um, <laughs> yeah, they've probably all worked together at some point also, but it's like a big Canadian-made production from what I could tell. Okay. My tidbits and notes are kind of slim. I really wanted to know more about how it came about, but I'll kind of go into that more as we go. But this is a crazy, absurd, and fun movie that is produced by the producers of John Wick, which they hit you over the head with with the trailers last year. Yeah. There's a lot of references to Die Hard, Home Alone, and even other Christmas favorites in the movie. Like good Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like self-aware type stuff. That, that is great. 
Yeah. The director describes the film, and this is how he pitched it to David Harbour, because I, I didn't see anything that said David Harbour was the only pick for Santa, but they called David Harbour in to beg him to play Santa. So I'm assuming that. But the director describes the film as Die Hard, but with Santa Claus. Yeah, that tracks. Yeah, tracks. <laughs> The director grew up watching Home Alone like we did, and when he got older and rewatched it as an adult, he's like, man, those traps would fuck people up. I got to make a movie that shows how those traps would fuck people up. <laughs> so that was kind of part of his thing for this movie. He wanted it to be funny, action-packed, but still have that Christmas film vibe. Nailed all of that, I think. Yes. <laughs> David Harbour trained at 87 North for three-plus months straight. I'm 99% certain that is the same place where Keanu Reeves practiced all his three-gun training and martial arts, which he's already like a third-degree black belt in like three martial arts. But he did most of his John Wick training at 87 North, if I remember correctly, because okay. I'm pretty sure they're the ones that have the YouTube videos showing that he could compete at Olympic three-gun level <laughs> because of his training for those movies. So that probably has to do with the producers being the John Wick producers. I saw some videos behind the scenes of him training. They made him do lots of hammer fight training. He had to learn jujitsu and he did almost all of his own fight scenes entirely, which he said is funny because he's in Black Widow and he plays, oh God, I can't think of his name. It's a bad guy. His name's Red something. He's basically Russian Captain America on a okay. shitty Russian version of the American Captain America serum. <laughs> so he's not as good and he's drunk on vodka the whole movie in a shitty Russian accent and talks about like all these different times he kicked Captain America's ass and you know he's full of shit. But anyways, that was a Marvel movie where he was a hero and he's like, I got to fight way more in this movie than nice. I did as a Marvel superhero. So he had fun with that. Interviews I saw with him, he's like, they called me in. I didn't know what I was coming in for. They told me the idea of the movie and I'm like, what the fuck? This could be really bad. And then I read the script and it was hilarious. And the only reason why I read it was the Die Hard but with Santa Claus pitch. And, and he's like, oh, I read this and I was just like, this is going to be a really fun film. Okay. And I can't think of his wife's name right now. I'll try to remember to put it in the notes Mrs. for the Claus. next episode. Well, no, his David Harbour's <laughs> wife. If I remember correctly, she's British and a famous British singer. And okay. she picked most of the songs for the film. Ah. Tagline, because I actually fucking remember to do it this time. <laughs> you better watch out. Oh. <laughs> and without further ado, here goes the film. All right, so we open up in a pub in London with a sad and depressed Santa hammering beers in a bar. Well, it's still vertical, so I'd like to change that. His one-liners after every action in this film are fantastic, and that is a good one. Yeah, I buy him as a drunk, but not a sad drunk. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? <laughs> like, he's just he's I, I coping. I do during this part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Another Santa sits down at the other end of the bar and asks if he just got off, and the real Santa says that he's in between shifts, you could say. And the other Santa says he's been doing it for four years now, wants to know how long the other Santa had been doing it, and the real Santa says that he started the whole damn thing, and he doesn't know why he keeps doing it. Yep. The other Santa says that you do the job for money, and the look in kids' eyes. And we find out that the real Santa thinks that this whole damn country is now run on money and greed, and that that look in kids' eyes lasts for about two seconds, and then they're ready for the next thing or the next gift, because all little kids are little junkies and little shits that don't believe anymore. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the whole goddamn world's become. <laughs> 
Right, right. And they kind of let you know where he stands with society at this point in time. Hence the drinking. (laughs) (laughs) And he's hammering some beers and he's like crushing like giant walnuts with his bare hands just to show how strong he is. Yup. And the bartender wants to make sure that he's not going to be driving later. And he says he steers a little, but the reindeer do most of the work. (laughs) And the way he's talking, you'd be hard to convince me that he wasn't like belligerent drunk filming that scene. (laughs) He slurs so well. Maybe he was. Yeah. But then Santa sadly looks into the mirror and says that this might be his last year and the last Christmas. The other Santa says he can't see a Santa Claus depressed like that and he's going to pick up his tab, which Santa thanks him. And on his way out, he's like, oh, wait, save me a trip, reaches into a sack and pulls out a present. He goes, it's for your grandson. It's a video game. And he goes out this door that goes up to the roof and the bartender wants to know how he knew her grandson's name and how he even knew she had a grandson. And then she's like, Oh shit. He went up to the roof and she goes (laughs) to stop him from breaking his neck, but he's nowhere to be found. She then sees him flying in the sky in his sleigh as he pops U-turn. And we hear this very whimsical Christmas music playing in the background. And she realizes that Santa's real and he flies overhead and you would expect a ho, ho, ho at her. But instead, he pukes up all the beer and nuts that he just ate and drank off the side of the sleigh, all over this poor lady, steaming off of her and flies off. <laughs> Title card. And I'm like, OK, I don't care what happens. I'm watching the rest of this movie. <laughs> exactly. That was a fantastic opening scene to kind of let you know where you stand. And I'm aware this isn't a horror film, guys, but it's it a home invasion. A graphically violent movie. It is a home invasion movie. It's CGI, but there's a lot of blood in the movie. (laughs) It's close enough. Okay. Well, we cut from the title card to Greenwich, Connecticut, where Jason is waiting for what we figure out is his estranged wife, Linda, to pick him up with their daughter, Trudy. He has a gift in his bag for his mom, and he doesn't seem very happy about it. And that's kind of all we get from it. He just looks at it, and he's like, (laughs) We can tell that Linda, the mom, is not happy for any of this to be going on, and that Trudy is just happy to see her parents together. Then she calls her dad a filthy animal, and we find out that she just got to watch the Home Alone movies for the first time the night before. And that's foreshadowing. (laughs) It's the greatest kind. They pull up to the Lightstone family compound, which has a huge mansion and a head guard named Al that the family obviously all adores, and he knows them very well. They then approach the mansion, and a keen eye would notice that the catering van outside says it is from the Farkas and Dill Company which those are the names of Scott Farkas and his sidekick Grover Dill from A Christmas Story. Ah. This goes with the villain Christmas themes, but a nice touch for a Christmas film there. Inside the mansion, we can see a antsy guard walking around eyeing everyone and everything and setting his watch. And we can see that the catering company is terrible, rude, and don't know what the fuck they're doing. (laughs) Yeah, they do. (laughs) (laughs) You don't know that yet, though. (laughs) But we cut to the Christmas party starting later that night, and we can see that Jason is much nicer and more humble than the rest of his family, and that both he and Linda do not want to be there. Linda tries to be nice to Jason's sister, Alva, who we can immediately tell is a drunk bitch that tells Linda she's gained a lot of weight. (laughs) Her character's such a bitch, but she's so good. She's really funny, so I looked her up. She's had some bit comedy parts. But her main thing is she's part of an improv comedy group. Okay. That makes sense. And it shows. Yeah. (laughs) 
We see Alva greet her brother Jason as Limp Dick and say that she thinks that this is the year that mom will finally retire and leave one of them in charge. And Jason responds with, what would a Lightstone family Christmas be without infighting and groveling? Love rich people. Yep. Alva then tells the bartender to smile and then walks off. She looks real angrily at Alva and Jason apologizes for how rude his sister is to the bartender. And that's candy cane, right? It is candy cane. We just don't know that yet. Okay. Jason tells Linda that he's glad to see her. And she says that she wants all the hot goss from the family. And this is our introduction to the rest of the family. Just so we can line them up without it being cheesy. Right. And we already met Alva, but we see her son, Bert, which we later find out his name is Bertrude because they <laughs> wanted to name him after the grandmother Gertrude. And he is a TikTok, Instagram, I don't know what the fuck, influencer. And he calls himself the Bert Locker and a huge douche. Yes. You want to punch him in the face immediately. I'm sorry. Hashtag douche. <laughs> Hashtag eat my fist. Yeah. Jason says that he just got what he can only assume is his first sexual harassment charge, which grandma paid the school off to cover it up. And now the gym is named after the family. Fuck. He's going to end up in politics. Yep. <laughs> Linda then asks about tragic Mike, which is Elva's boyfriend. And he says that if he was on one of those planes during nine 11, those terrorists would have all been skydiving without a parachute. And they start doing Kung Fu moves in the air. I assumed he was a stunt actor. He actually has primarily played military people and shit. Which no is shit. Because something he says later, and he's based off of Mark Wahlberg. Oh. Because Mark Wahlberg did a lot of military roles and oh, yeah, yeah. was I quoted get saying, if I was on one of those planes, I would have killed the terrorists. You know, what's weird about his character is you would think, like, I mean, he's a douche too, but I believe oh, yeah. that he believes everything he's saying. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He sells it. But after saying this, Elva's really impressed, and she's like, oh, yeah, make out with me, honey. Make out with me in front of my son. <laughs> fucking weird. It's fucking disturbing. Jason says that he might actually be a great actor because he's doing an Oscar-worthy job of acting like he finds his sister Alva appealing. <laughs> they then find out that the family patriarch Gertrude is coming into the room, and Alva wants to line up in front of the door because that's what they do every year. But Jason grabs Linda and Trudy and says, let's just sit down in the back of the room this year, which Linda finds very surprising. Gertrude half walks into the room on the phone yelling at somebody, and she's been a total hard ass, and she goes on this fucking rant. That's the best you can do? Listen, you cocksucker, it's Christmas, so why don't you take your best offer, gift wrap it, and ram it up your fucking box? Funny side story here. Oh, so, Lord. my daughters have dance rehearsals. I want to watch this movie with my 10 year old son. Okay. I know not entirely appropriate. <laughs> I'm banking on him not knowing what certain words are. So we watch the movie <laughs> and nothing really jumps out to him. Like even all the box jokes, right? From okay. what I can tell, he thinks it means the butt and it's just hilarious to him. <laughs> my mother-in-law and father-in-law come over Christmas day to see what the kids get. And then we end up eating, going out to the Chinese restaurant, fra-ra-ra-ra-ra, you know, the whole thing. <laughs> and I love a Christmas story. I'm sorry. I got to make the joke. We went out and ate Chinese food. We got hammered and watched Christmas movies all night. And I made them all watch this, which my father-in-law thought was a masterpiece, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but Margie 
and my in-laws had never seen this film. And Marty's like, oh, my God, you let Aiden watch this. And my mother in law's <laughs> like, you'll let Aiden watch this. And as soon as she goes on that rant and says something about shoving it up your box, they just, like, look at me crazy. And I'm like, he thought it meant butthole. Okay. <laughs> and that's my defense. And that happened throughout the rest of the film. Oh, my God. He loved it, though. It's one of his favorite Christmas movies now. Um, <laughs> like Father on Son. Anyways, Gertrude walks back out of the room, and they want to know what Jason's angle is sitting in the back of the room. They end fight a bit about, you know, you named Trudy Gertrude, and like, what you named Bert Gertrude, and they decide that Jason knows something that they don't. Tragic Mike, Elva, and Bert all run to the back of the room to stand with them because, you know, they're not going to get tricked this year. There's fuckery afoot. Yep. <laughs> During all of this, Gertrude does another half walk in and out of the room saying, don't shit in my mouth and call it chocolate, (laughs) which is great. And then we finally see her walk into the room, getting off the phone call and saying, Merry Christmas, Senator. (laughs) So that was a senator she was going off on the entire fucking time. Yes. She gets really angry that they're all in the back of the room and not greeting her at the front. And she starts going off on everybody until Trudy says, I love you, Grandma, and runs up and hugs her, which melts her heart. And Grandma calls her Gertrude, and she's like, oh, but I go by Trudy now. And Gertrude doesn't like that, and she says it sounds like a whore's name. Oh, she doesn't even know the meaning of the word. (laughs) That was extra funny after I had just explained to my wife and mother-in-law that he doesn't know the meaning of the word, not realizing that was coming up. (laughs) And I got to use it right then. Oh, my God. But they go to eat Christmas dinner, which we just see him walk off to. We don't have to watch while it's intercut with Santa delivering gifts and eating cookies all across the world. We then see Trudy making homemade gingerbread cookies and draws one for Santa that uh, looks just like him. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Spitting image. (laughs) Spitting image. Trudy's worried that Santa's not going to know which chimney to use because there's so many damn chimneys in the mansion. And she's upset because she didn't get to see Santa this year and tell him what she wanted because her dad didn't take her like normal. Mom tells her that he knows which chimney to use at which house because of Christmas magic, which is going to be an ongoing theme in this film. And Jason runs to the family game closet and digs out a walkie-talkie with a pair of earbuds and gives it to Trudy. And he says it's a Christmas magic walkie-talkie that goes straight to Santa Claus, but he's out delivering presents right now, so he's going to be too busy to reply, but if you tell him what you want, he can hear it. They head out in the hallway, shut the door, and listen to her, and she starts naming all the things that she originally wanted, and then says, but I don't want any of that because I realized that all I want is for my parents to get back together, and then Linda looks at Jason like, you asshole, and just walks off. Like, they had like a bonding moment that ended very quickly. Yeah, and you could see this coming from a mile away, but this is the the point where I'm like, I, she just seems too, too old to buy the walkie bit. But uh, we'll move on. I don't think so. <laughs> I think she's supposed to be about eight to ten, and we worried about the ten year old this year, and it's no, completely believable. Oh, I'm a jaded, cynical motherfucker, so I use me as a benchmark. <laughs> I'm just saying, totally works <laughs> in real life situations. <laughs> Anyways, we see Santa land on the lightstone roof and step into a pile of reindeer shit. He then starts going off on the reindeer, telling them it's completely unprofessional, and they can't go two seconds without crapping on the roof like a bunch of pigeons. All of his rants are great. Yeah, he's like, Rudolph would have done this. Yeah, Rudolph would have done this. 
<laughs> he goes in the house, which uh, I, I forgot to put my notes, but he, he does the traditional touch the side of his nose, turns into coal dust, goes down the chimney, appears out of the fireplace, right? Yes. He finds all of the homemade cookies, and he's very happy about these compared to some of the other shit he had to eat that night. And he keeps the one Trudy decorated for him because it is, after all, a spitting image of him. And she left him a giant candy cane that her parents joked about. And he's like, oh, nice. And he sticks that in his pocket. A little bit of foreshadowing there as well. Yes. However, it's not all fun and games because he's not happy because the milk is skim milk. And then he looks over at the liquor cabinet, gets excited, dumps the milk in the ice bucket, and grabs a bottle of Dubois, which he says, oh, this is some pre-war shit right here. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking love it. And he starts chugging it while eating the cookies, and he's like, oh, that pairs well. (laughs) Yes. So good. I do want to point out in the earlier montage when he's going to the typical shitty houses that like he gets milk that's like been out all day and, and shit. Oh, yeah. And he steals this one drunk asshole's beers while he's passed out in the living yeah, room yeah, and shit. Yeah. So this is this is our Santa. But after getting his Dubois and his homemade gingerbread cookies, he decides to take a siesta in the massage chair while drinking his drink and his eating his cookies and it's really funny because it's vibrating the whole time and he's spilling shit everywhere going oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) they didn't even try to like fake that with acting they put him in a chair on high apparently (laughs) yeah they just went for it we cut to a guard manning the monitoring station as the anxious guard from earlier walks in and says that christmas is okay but Americans don't celebrate his favorite holiday. And the guard's like, what's that? And he goes, Boxing Day. And then he knocks the shit out of the guard, knocking him out. <laughs> and then hits a button on his watch, which makes an alarm go off to the bartender we saw earlier, the caterer dresses an elf, some other guards, and random people throughout the party, okay? Yup. Anyways, he cocks his gun and pulls all the network cables out, right? Like, just take the internet and the phone lines down, right? Yep. Because this place had a proper server room in there with the monitoring station. It was actually very believable. I almost think they used a famous rich person's mansion to shoot this film. (laughs) Bird tells Grandma that her internet sucks dick. And then Grandma tells Alva that she begged him when Bert was a child to beat him. And she should (laughs) have. We then see John Leguizama, who will henceforth be known as... Scrooge approach Al acting like he's lost and been wandering down the road for miles and needing directions and help to change a flat. He then blows Al's brains out and calls his team on the radio to check in. We find out that we have Jingle, Peppermint, Sugar Plum, Candy Cane, Frosty, Tinsel, Gingerbread, and Krampus here to fuck shit up. <laughs> gingerbread is the boxing day guard and he wants to know if they have to use these stupid names all night and candy cane was the bartender as josh alluded to earlier krampus is the crazy elf server and sugar plum will later be shown as the hacker the rest of them are red shirts yes and i do want to point out that i forget his name but the dude playing krampus he was in freddy versus jason he yep. does, he's got like small parts in a bunch of stuff that we usually like him in but the way he talks in this one is just it's weird. <laughs> well, he plays a crazy person very well, and I've seen him do that multiple times in different shows and films, and he's later referred to as the sociopath of the team. Yes. All well, plays out. <laughs> well, this is coming off of another movie where he played a set of twins that were institutionalized, and he plays oh. both of them. Like, 
and it's more of a serious movie. So coming right off of that yeah. into this, it was like, dude, you have the chops to actually play this straight and be funny. Yeah. I think he took it a little too far into the funny. I've seen him in drama films. I've seen him in sitcoms and everything in between. He can pull it off. He's just one of those guys that he's always going to play a side character, right? Yeah. So he's never going to get that huge break. But you always need side characters. <laughs> <laughs> But we cut to Linda scolding Jason for not taking Trudy to see Santa like he does every year. And he's like, I'm sorry, but my mom put me on a very special project yesterday. And don't worry, I have a plan to get us out from under my mother's thumb this year. And I'm going to get us out of here tonight, right? Yo. This argument's going on in whatever bedroom they're staying in. They then hear gunshots as the Christmas crew start to mercilessly kill anyone who is not a light stone in the house with guns. Candy cane is murking them with knives. Santa hears all this shit from his siesta and starts to take cover. The, I guess, head of security goes to take Gertrude to the panic room and Alva's like, take me. And she's like, there's only enough room for one person. And, she, and somebody's like, well, what about the kid? She's like, yeah, take me and Bert. <laughs> and everybody starts following him. And the main job stops them, pulls his gun out and says, his job is to protect the primary asset and the primary asset only, which is not them. However, while this is going on, the panic room door opens and Scrooge walks out because he snuck in the house already and he pops out an ass baton and whoops all of the asses of all the guards in the room and kills them all. Ah, humbug, motherfucker. We then see Santa sneaking around trying to find a way out because his uh, magic nose isn't working. He starts doing it, and like you see a little coal dust come out, but it's just not working, and he can't go up the chimney. And basically, he just says fuck a lot in the scene because he just keeps <laughs> failing, and he starts trying to think of happy Christmas thoughts and naming things out loud, and it's still not working. I, I got, a, got a quick question on this because Ginger had to be for this, and I do too. What, what do you think we're supposed to get that, like, he can be drunk and still have his magic, but there's a limit. And if he gets too drunk, his magic doesn't work anymore. What? Because because later on, he's going to be near death and his magic works. So, so why, why doesn't it work right now? <laughs> I think it's proximity of belief in Christmas. Okay. Because that is how it's played out throughout the rest of the movie. When he was at the bar, he could do his thing because he had another Santa there. The grandmother just saw like the present, you know, things like that. Right. And he does stuff like that later to make people believe in Christmas, which fuels his Christmas magic is what I gather. But right now the house has more naughty people than it does. Good people. Okay. With a lot of hatred for Christmas, we find out <laughs> later. And I think that's what made it stop working. Okay. And the plot. <laughs> because <laughs> it says here on page 14 <laughs> <laughs> but anyways during all of this he hears the red shirts get their orders to sweep the house and kill anyone who is not a lightstone and he wants all the lightstones gathered in the main family room because they're not all there currently because we just saw you know jason and linda up in their bedroom yeah one of the red shirts tinsel checks a room and finds santa hiding behind the christmas tree santa tries to talk his way out of this and gets beat up a little bit and says, you really don't want to do this. And at one point, he gets sick of getting hit and grabs the gun as the guy swings the butt of it, completely overpowering the man and hits him in the head with his own gun. The gun goes off and fires through the roof towards the reindeer who are like, fuck this, and they take off, leaving Santa stranded. Yup. He hears them and he's not pleased with this. They fight over the gun for a bit and it fires a lot in the room, which nobody hears. I guess it has a silencer on it, but 
it is a mansion. We'll just say they're in wing seven, right? <laughs> it better um, be a big mansion. <laughs> right, right. But he's swinging it across while firing it, and Santa grabs the barrel, and I think it's a really nice touch that he burns his hand because the barrel's so hot from all the firing. Yes. And he continues to beat on the guy. Eventually, the guy tries to strangle Santa with some Christmas lights until Santa gets them wrapped around Tinsel himself after stabbing him in the leg with a screwdriver to make him unaware, and then Powell drives Tinsel's ass out the window. However, in true Looney Tunes fashion, the lights are also tied around Santa Claus's legs, and he yells fuck as he realizes it, and he is yanked out the window with Tinsel, and he hits the snow hard and gets up, and he finds Tinsel impaled on a giant icicle, and he's pissed about his reindeer and tries to sneak off while munching on some cookies. And he sees Scrooge through the window, both yelling at the light stones and singing to them. Violent night, gory night, all is calm. If all doesn't want to get shot in the fucking head. He sees Trudy and looks at the gingerbread cookie she made him. That's a, a spitting image of him. And he's like, I got to save this girl. She's an ex-Bob Ross, right? Is what he's thinking. <laughs> Gertrude tries to stand up to Scrooge and then gets hit in the nose for it. And we find out that he planned this operation for months and that her entire staff and security and crew are all dead. And he knows exactly what he's doing. Tragic Mike says that if they did not have guns, he'd take them all out. (laughs) And Gertrude tells him the story about when her brother was kidnapped in the seventies and the family extraction squad, which she calls the kill squad extracted him in less than a week. And the kidnappers were never found. And Scrooge is like, I keep telling you, I know all of this. I don't give a (laughs) shit. I know everything about all your plans. And I also know that you have $300 million that was delivered to your vault downstairs yesterday. And the government gave it to the Lightstones to spread through the Middle East to keep the oil flowing, and it all got lost in the fog of war as they stole it. He uses a lot of Christmas sayings in here, and she wants to know what's up with all this Christmas shit, because he really does quote a lot of Christmas shit throughout the movie. Yes. And she tries to remote reset the vault, and he's like, and I know you have a remote to reset the combination to the vault in your hand, and he yanks it, and he's like, I know everything. <laughs> the same interview I saw with David Harbour, I saw John Leguizamo get interviewed. They called him for this role also. And he's like, oh, wait a minute, what's it about? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like everybody's a little skeptical and he, he read it and he's like, I think it's funny. And I think this kind of action movie is only as good as the intelligence of your bad guy. True. And that Scrooge was a smart motherfucker and the movie looked like a lot of fun. And he's like, I'm game. Yeah, because as soon as your bad guy becomes goofy or a bonehead, it has to be slapsticky. Right. There's no, there's no other way to play it. And there's plenty of movies where the good guys are ahead of the curve the entire time, and it makes it suck. Yeah. Anyways, we then see him go down to the vault to meet Sugar Plum, where she's trying to hack it, and he says he misses the good old days of cracking vaults where you would just drill a hole and stick some dynamite in it and blow some shit up. And he's like, maybe I'm just getting old and I miss the romance of it all. <laughs> I love that part. <laughs> well, while he's saying all this, he gets a call from Candy Cane on the walkie telling him to come outside, and he heads out and he sees the tensicle, right? I'm coining that term. <laughs> Impaled tinsel. And... Candy Cane says some shit like maybe he fell and (laughs) and Scrooge is like, you go repelling with this guy all the time and you think he just fucking fell. (laughs) Yes. And he says that they have a gopher on the loose and they need to sweep the area. Inside, Linda covers Trudy up with a blanket to take a nap. 
and puts the earbuds in from the walkie, which I didn't catch the earbuds the first time I watched it. Well, the first time I watched it was last year. So when I started watching it this year, I'm like, why don't they hear her talking? I'm like, oh, shit, there's earbuds. Yeah. I don't know how I missed it, but they're there. They covered it. But she starts trying to radio Santa, and she's laying on the couch with her face towards the cushion and a blanket over. Nobody probably notices they're talking more than a, a kid, you know, playing make-believe. Yeah, they're tuning her out. We then cut back to Santa as he sees Frosty coming in to check the room he's hiding in, and he starts to reach into his Christmas sack or magic bag, pulling shit out randomly. It's all video games and gift cards every time, which you bitched about earlier that kids just want video games and gift cards nowadays. He wants to know why people don't ask for bats and swords anymore or even a Molotov cocktail, right? (laughs) (laughs) He then tries to sneak up behind Frosty with a baby doll he pulled out of his bag and hit him over the head with it, which he accomplishes, but it does minimal damage. He then reaches in his bag, pulls out a poetry book, which is worthless, chunks it, and then die hard on Blu-ray, which he has to chunk because that's not going to help him. (laughs) And finally, somewhere in there, he pulls out like a long candy cane, right? Frosty starts to whoop Santa's ass, but Santa does manage to get a good fight out with his candy cane stick before getting drop kicked over the pool table. And he gets up and tells Frosty he doesn't want to have to hurt him. And Frosty's laughing at him. But what we can see is Santa sticking pool balls in a Christmas stocking (laughs) and tying it up. And he slings it over and breaks one of Frosty's hands and starts to beat the bejesus out of him with a stocking full of pool balls. Until the stocking breaks and the balls go flying everywhere. Somewhere in here, he picks Frosty up, slams him head first to a pinball machine. Uh, He slings a bunch of darts into him. Frosty pulls out a knife and he stabs the bag a couple of times, pulling gifts out impaled on the knife with like the, the magic around it. He finally gets the drop on Santa until Santa rams a Christmas star tree topper into his eyeball and then plugs it in, which electrocutes his brain and catches his head on fire. He then laughs, bleeding on the ground with a couple of ho ho hos until he smells the burning flesh and he's like, oh, ho, 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 ho. <laughs> it's a good fight. My notes are really long this episode. I mean, longer than normal. Anyway, just because <laughs> I have a lot of one liners in this movie. I meant to preface my film with this. And I have to describe fight scenes every time we do like an action packed movie. Like, you have to describe. The fight scenes, just like you have to describe the booby traps in a Saw film or Home Alone or something, and it adds to it a lot. <laughs> Anyways, the important thing here is that he hears the crew talking on the walkie-talkies, and we get a confirmation that we have two hours until Gertrude's kill squad arrives. He tries to call that 911 thing, as he calls it, from the radio, and eventually gets <laughs> Trudy. And he has, like, a r- really sweet heart-to-heart conversation with her. Like, anytime he talks to Trudy he turns into a completely different character in the film. Yeah, he's Santa. <laughs> yeah, he turns into Santa, right? Like, it's, it's, it, it's really McClane. sweet. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really sweet, like, or really awesome how easy David Harbour hops between the two. And it, it fits, because, like, it's Santa talking to a kid. Yeah. She says that she's been a very good girl this year, and he checks his badass-looking, magic, naughty, nice list. And it shows her name, shows that she's on the nice list and all of the great things she's done that year, right? And somewhere in there, he says that he's going to have to shove a lump of coal up there. And he pauses and Trudy says asses. And he's like, well, sweetheart, you want to stay on the nice list, don't you? And she's like, how about butthole? And he goes, butthole's kind of borderline. And then she goes, how about anus? And he goes, well, technically anus is the technical term. <laughs> yes. The whole back and forth is great. Also, we can get a call back to it later. Yeah. <laughs> He then checks his naughty list and he sees that there's six names left on it. 
so it's kind of neat. He can use it like a video game, like radar thing. <laughs> but he's like, I need to call for help. Do you have any ideas? And she sends him to go check with Al to get Al to call for help. We see Scrooge get called into the modern room. And he finds out that he now has two men down and that there's a goddamn Santa on the loose, as he puts it. And we cut to Santa finding Al already dead and none of the phones are working. And now he knows that he has to take matters into his own hands. And, oh no, we can see that he's bleeding out very badly from all of his stab wounds and slashes earlier. He answers Frosty's radio when Scrooge calls and lets him know that he's dead now. He got a star in his eye and caught on fire. He just says it so nonchalantly. And Scrooge says he wants to know what Santa wants. And Santa says for them to all put down their weapons, let the family go, and leave so that he can find his damn reindeer and start delivering some presents. And Scrooge is like, does he fuck on me? (laughs) (laughs) Scrooge then lets him know that he's going to make it his personal mission to torture the whole family and wipe the floor with Santa's ass. And that's all he wants for Christmas. And Santa lets him know that that is a terrible thing to want for Christmas and that they should discuss this in person. Santa Claus is coming to town. Those kind of one-liners work in this film. Yes. Scrooge then goes to the family room and wants to know who they hired to play Santa. And Gertrude says she never hires a Santa because it's tacky. (laughs) He then grabs one of Gertrude's many nutcrackers while yelling at her. And he's like, wow, you got a thing for nutcrackers. Who wants to get cracked, right? They all point and volunteer Jason, right? Like Tragic Mike and Alva and Bert's like, oh, Jason, he's the favorite. So they go over, and you think it's going to get stopped, but no, he gets one of his fingers broken by the nutcracker. Yeah, big time. Yeah, and they're all still like, we didn't hire a Santa. Scrooge then says, oh, I'm an idiot. This isn't a finger cracker. It's a nutcracker. And he tells Candy Cane to put one of his Bozaks in there. And Jason's like, what the fuck? (laughs) And she's like, I'm not touching his balls, man. And Scrooge (laughs) says that he's seen her scoop people's brains out before. And she's like, if you want me to scoop out his brains, I'll scoop out his brains right now. But I'm not touching his junk. (laughs) She's got fucking standards. Yeah. And it kind of goes back and forth, kind of like the uh, you go rappelling down buildings with this guy all the time, right? Yeah. Because we get the opinion that they're all master thieves, part of this big crew, right? Krampus is crazy ass, then <laughs> volunteers to put his nuts in there, and Scrooge is like, this is why I love bringing a sociopath on the team. <laughs> they get stuff done. Trudy saves her dad's balls by saying that Santa is real, and then he's coming for all of them. And they then go to Trudy, wanting to find out what she knows. And her parents let her know that there is no Santa. He's fake. They made it up. They just tell kids that to make it feel better about themselves. And it, it is pretty brutal. Yeah, yeah. And the crew thinks that this is hilarious that she found out this way. And they can't wait to come back for Easter and spoil the <laughs> Easter bunny. And she runs off to hide in between some guards' legs. And you're like, why didn't anybody go for him? They covered that pretty well because mom tries to go get her as she takes off. And the one guard guarding the door stops the mom. Yeah. And the kid can get away. So they actually covered that pretty well. And even Scrooge is like, we'll find her. She's a kid. He knows there's no internet or phones in the house, right? And it's freezing cold outside. What's she going to do? <laughs> We cut to Santa as he takes off his jacket, vest, and undershirt, showing a gnarly wound across his gut and some awesome Nordic Viking tattoos as we hear what is obviously Nordic music playing. He then stitches his wound shut himself and then wraps it with ribbon and Christmas wrapping paper (laughs) as a suitor or bandage or whatever. Yup. Stands up and you're like, what a hard ass. He tries to take one step and he passes out immediately (laughs) from shock. I love that dude. Cause I'm sitting there and I'm like, 
okay, I'll buy the stitching even though it's not a curved needle, da da da, because I'm an asshole. And then he puts the wrapping paper on there. I'm like, this is too fucking much. This is just dumb. And then he face plants, and I'm like, okay, I'm fine with it again. <laughs> I was okay with the the ribbon and the wrapping because at this point, I already accepted that we have to believe in Christmas magic for this film to function. <laughs> But the passing out from the pain was phenomenal. <laughs> Icing on the cake. Yes. But when he passes out, we get a very brief flashback of him in full Viking attire in the middle of a battlefield with bodies all around him. And he's covered in blood and gore with this giant ass two-handed hammer that's dripping blood and gore. And then he's awakened by Trudy radioing him. And we get a slightly longer flashback later when he's talking to Trudy. Yeah. He explains that he was a thief, murderer, and pillager, right? Yeah, I want that Santa prequel. The origins of Santa Claus are Germanic and Nordic. Yes. So that checks out. And (laughs) they don't explain how he went from dude A to dude B. And I'm really glad they didn't. And I hope they never do. Yeah. Well, even he he says he's like, he ended up being Santa one day. Like, he doesn't even know how. So it's, it's fine the way it's played off. He doesn't know how the Christmas magic works, but he doesn't really, he doesn't dodge the how did you become Santa? He just doesn't answer. It's not like he didn't know. He just doesn't go into it. Right? I don't think he knows, man. I think he was just like <laughs> like doing battle somewhere one day and like fighting a fucking dragon or something. And when he woke up, he was Santa. Like, seriously, I'm, I'm okay assuming with that. Mrs. Claus was involved. Yeah, yeah, because she's a, a big she, part of the story. Yeah, later. yeah, yeah. She's kind of like a puppeteer and all this. <laughs> so anyways, it's a really cool backstory without explaining the backstory. And even though it's not written and directed by the John Wick people, It was as interesting as the Continental from the first John Wick film. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, you're like, oh, there's this badass hotel and they use fucking Greek coins for currency and you get guns here and you get contracts and murder people. I didn't need an explanation or backstory. I knew enough of what was going on. And that's what happens right here. Yeah, it just is. Yep. But anyways, Trudy radios him. This wakes him up because it's a kid calling Santa, right? And he says he's sorry. He was just wrapping something up. It's a great dad joke there. Yes. And she says that she got away. She hid in the attic and she thinks she can set up some booby traps just like in Home Alone. And he's like, I don't know what any of that means, but stay safe and do that. (laughs) She asks if he's the real Santa and he says that he is. And she's like, my parents said blah, blah, blah. And he goes, parents tell their kids that he's not real anymore when they stop to believe themselves. But he still always delivers to kids that need him. She wants to know how he knows what kids need him and what they want. And he says, it's Christmas magic. I don't actually really know how it works, (laughs) which is great. Don't explain it. He then tells her about a letter she wrote him. And like one year she wanted a bunny and that was Mr. Bunny. Her mom gave her earlier on the couch to nap with. Right. And then another year she wrote him a letter wishing that she could fly. And he's like, come on, I'm saying I got magic, but make a girl fly. I can't do that. But what I could do is I could give you a kite. And you could let the kite fly high in the sky and make you feel like you're flying. And when he tells her all this, she knows he's the real Santa because he knows the letters and he knows what he got her, right? Yes. And he's like, and I want to let you know, I can't get your parents back together like you want. It doesn't work that way. And then he says that him and Mrs. Qualls have been married for coming on 1100 years now. And it's hard to make marriage work. And he's looking at his ring on his finger and rolling it when he says it. And he looks kind of sad and depressed. And you get the idea that they're not on good terms right now. Exactly. We then cut to the family room where Krampus wants to see what rich assholes get each other for Christmas. And Tragic Mike volunteers to give his present to Gertrude first, which is a pitch deck for his shitty action film. And he wants her to fund the whole film, right? And be a producer on it. And uh, 
She looks bored as fucking Krampus, says some crazy shit the whole time he's talking, and then laughs, and he's like, oh, she doesn't like it. <laughs> and uh, somewhere in there he says he's a big deal in Asia, well, parts of Asia, and Elvis like, yeah, we were in parts of Asia one time, and we couldn't even eat anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I love the parts of Asia shit. So that's a swing and a miss. So then Elva gives her present to her mom. And it's a picture of her mom holding her in the hospital bed the day she was born as a newborn baby. And she's like, this is sentimental to help you always remember. And she's like, I remember because I was there. Yes. And the Krampus is like, oh, she doesn't like it. Or she doesn't give a shit. He says one <laughs> one time and one the other. And he takes the picture and he's like swinging a miss and he throws it and breaks it. Right. Elva's like, I got a shit ton more presents for you, mom. And she's like, no, no, no. You've already, you've given me enough, Elva. Uh, it's Jason's turn. And Jason's like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I left my present in the car. And Bert's like, no, no, I saw you bring it in and put it under the tree. And he's like, no, you're mistaken. It's it's in the car. And he goes, no, no, it's right here. Let me show you. Because Bert's being a little hashtag shit. Yeah, right? I got you, dude. I got you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he gets the present out, hands it to Gertrude. She opens it. And she like legitimately smiles happy because it's her favorite whiskey. Right in the box. Yep. And there's a note. And she looks really excited to read this note. So you can tell Jason's the favorite. She starts to read this note. And her face is what the fuck. While Jason's face is I'm going to throw up on the floor. Yeah, because it's not read aloud. Right, right, right. It's not read aloud. So she finishes reading it, folds it in half and says, thank you, Jason. I don't think we need to share that with anyone. She puts it inside her coat pocket. And Elva's like, what's it say? And she goes, that's between Jason and I. Right. <laughs> Smiling. We then cut back to Trudy talking to Santa about the time before he was Santa, and he said that he was a warrior, a raider, and a thief named Nicomon the Red. And he says that no one got between him and Skull Crusher. And she's like, who's Skull Crusher? And he goes, my favorite hammer. <laughs> and he says that he was a surgeon with that thing. And he tells her he used to be mean and greedy and he was top dog of the naughty list back then. And then one day he became Santa. Trudy says he can use those bad things that he used to do for good to help people that need it. And he thanks her and tells her to stay safe. We then see Scrooge and crew so that the kill squad will be there in 30 minutes. And we cut to the kill squad where Commander Thorpe is addressing his soldiers. And he says he likes his operations like he likes to fuck hard and fast with minimum cleanup. And then he says, guys, if someone gets in our way, what do we do? And they all yell, fuck their shit up right. And he's like, hey, man. And then they get on their snowmobiles and they take out, right? And uh, total diehard tube vibes. Like yes. <laughs> intentional, I'm sure. We then cut to Candy Cane stalking through a hallway. I don't remember if she has a gun or knives out at this point because she's good with both. But Santa's trying to sneak up behind her and strangle her with some tinsel he found. But he walks past the motion-activated Santa that we saw earlier in the film, and it goes off saying, ho, 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 Merry Christmas. Kind of sounds like David Harbour saying it in, like, a neutral voice, <laughs> which would be extra funny. But he looks at it because Candy Cane hears it and turns around and sees him, and he's like, traitor! And he takes off running from Candy Cane, right? She takes off running after him and radios for help as she charges him as he goes into a door and barricades it with his massive body. She can't get the door open, but Scrooge walks up with a fire extinguisher, chunks and rolls it to the door, and shoots it with his gun, and the pressure blows the door open and knocks Santa out. Kind of neat. I don't think I ever saw that in a movie before. I don't know how realistic it, it is, but it, it works enough. I've been really quiet right now. 100% <laughs> shooting a fire extinguisher is going to make a pressurized blast. Yes. Not strong enough to blow the door open in Santa. But the fact that it does actually happen to some extent makes it more enjoyable to me. 
Correct. The thing that, uh, so the, there, there's been a bunch of, I haven't done this myself, but there has been multiple fucking YouTube gun channels where they've done all kinds of different pressurized vessels to see what would happen. And, uh, most of them, because of the way they're designed will only, everything goes out through the bullet hole. Okay. And it takes off like a rocket, right? Exactly. That's where the real danger comes from. <laughs> Cool scene. No, no, that's cool. Well, we then cut to Trudy spying on the room that they have sanitized to a chair from the attic, and they're reaching to his bag, and they just keep pulling out an endless supply of toys over and over again. And Gingerbread's like, I don't understand how this works. And uh, <laughs> Scrooge is like, it's a trick. It's a scam. It's a gimmick. He wants to know how the gimmick works. And Santa says, it's Christmas magic. You put your hand in the bag, and out comes a present. I don't really understand how it works. <laughs> says it once again. And then he looks over and he says, so, Mr. Scrooge. And Scrooge says that, yes, that's right. Who are you? And he then starts to say the name for Santa Claus in, like, every fucking language. It's yes. actually really cool. <laughs> he goes through them. And he ends on Chris Kringle. And he goes, people call me lots of things. And if you pay attention this whole time, Gingerbread and Candy Cane are looking at each other like, what the fuck? As different things happen. Yes. This is the briefest moment. But like the fact that he knew how to say Santa Claus in like every language. Oh, they believe. Was step one, yeah. Which is going to make sense in a second, right? This goes back to what you said Ginger had a problem okay. with. Or okay, one okay. of you did, okay? Both of us did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gingerbread wants to know where his reindeer are if he is Santa Claus. And he says, that idiot that I turned into an ice kebab shot up the roof and scared him off. And he's like, if you guys want proof, go up on the roof because Prancer left a tasty little log for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And Scrooge is like, ha ha, funny, funny. And he says he's sick of this shit and he chunks Santa's bag into the fireplace and it instantly bursts into flames. And Santa starts screaming, no, you just destroyed children's dreams. And then Scrooge tells the story about how big his father was into Christmas when he was a kid and how they were dirt poor and he hardly ever got anything, but his dad just kept praising Christmas. And then one year he saw the rich family next door get a giant pile of presents and he was still a kid, but he decided that on Christmas Eve, he was going to sneak into their house that night and steal all their presents. While doing that, he what accidentally scared the grandpa that went to go take a piss who got frightened and fell down the stairs and broke his neck and died instantly. He says, no one believed him that it was an accident and it put him on to the path that led him to where he is today. Santa tells him that he's sorry. And he's like, I'm sorry I couldn't get you what you wanted, Jimmy. And Gingerbread wants to know how he knows his name. Then Santa looks at Gingerbread and says, what, Bjorn? Are you still mad I didn't get you that huffy bike you wanted back in, you know, 86 or whatever year? You wrote me about it 50 fucking times. And then he looks at Candy Cane and he goes, you, Kira. Feeding your brother worms? That was naughty! Just like the way he yells <laughs> naughty every time. And Scrooge wants to know who he is, and he says, I'm Santa Claus. And then Scrooge cocks his gun and says, not anymore. Gingerbread and Candy Cane are staring at each other like, holy fuck, this is Santa Claus. He knows <laughs> what we did in our names. And then it starts to snow in the room as we hear whimsical Christmas music playing. And even... At this moment, Scrooge is like, oh, my God, it's snow. And they start walking through the room in slow-mo. And Scrooge figures out that it's styrofoam at the last second, which we saw Trudy dumping styrofoam into the air conditioning system, right? Yes. Right as Santa manages to knock the chair over, break the arm loose so he can get his hand free, and he touches his nose, turning into coal dust and flying up the chimney. And I think only Gingerbread Bjorn saw it, but everybody yeah. else realizes he's just gone, right? But he straight up watched it happen. And it's actually in my notes right here. Christmas spirit was currently up in that room by a metric shit ton. 
<laughs> and his magic worked. So that is my whole basis on that theory. Okay. Like everybody in the room believed he was Santa at that particular moment and he could finally do it again. But Scrooge tries to rationalize everything. He's like, he must've had a pulley system, which is a good idea if Santa set up this room, right? It'd be a good theory. <laughs> but they brought him to this room unconscious and tied him up. And Gingerbread looks up the chimney. And he's like, nope, that hole's way too small for a person to go up. Also foreshadowing. Yes. <laughs> it's one of the best parts. Anyways, he then hears something and Scrooge tells him, oh, it's just sleigh bells. And he's like, oh shit, it's his reindeer coming. And he's like, <laughs> and Scrooge is like, you idiot. And it reminds him that sleigh bells is the code name for the kill squad. And he tells them to look alive. Back in the family room, Gertrude tells Krampus that he's dead now that she hears them coming. And Bert gets up and says, you're fizzy fuck now. And Krampus decks the shit out of Bert in the face and says, hashtag blessed. <laughs> but right as he's like kissing up at the ceiling like Bert does, Tragic Mike gets up, kicks him in the dick and punches him, knocking him out or over at least. And then dives over the couch while yelling parkour. <laughs> Just icing on the cake. And he dives out the window, takes off running. Alva's like, he's going to save us. And Gertrude's like, I think Jean-Claude Van Dipshit just left us for dead. <laughs> he runs up to the kill squad and he's like, oh, thank God you're here. I played a lot of soldiers in my day. And he like fucking does a shitty salute and says, Semper Fi. And I don't know, they talk to him back and forth and then shoot and kill him. Right. Santa sees this whole thing from the roof, pulls out his naughty list. And it's got a bunch of new names on it right now because there's a giant kill squad here. Yep. And he knows he's in trouble. Commander Thorpe wants to know what's up as Scrooge walks up and he lets them know that they have a gopher on the loose. And Candy Cane says that I think it might be the real Santa and Gingerbread agrees. And Thorpe goes, what the fuck was that? <laughs> so seriously. And Scrooge says she's just joking with you. And Thorpe's like, okay, beta team clear out and find Santa. He has enough people there that he has an alpha and a beta team. Which bothers me. And I even said something about it last night. It should be alpha and bravo. But if he's military, but that. Whatever. <laughs> well, Alpha and Bravo, if you're going off of the military alphabet. Yes. Alpha and Beta, if you're going off accounting. I know. I know. So it's wrong. <laughs> they might go off and numbering them. Who fucking knows? Have you ever been in a military special unit? No, but the people that I've talked to that have been in them, it'd be Bravo. <laughs> it is Bravo Squadron Rainbow Six. I'm just saying. <laughs> exactly. Anyways. It's a fucking Christmas movie, Josh. <laughs> so Scrooge, Thorpe, Candy Cane, and Gingerbread head inside to deal with the vault as the beta team already has Santa in their sight on their thermals, like instantly like that. And they unload what I think was a saw on the roof at him. Santa rolls off, falls three stories in the snow, <laughs> gets shit knocked out of him, but he gets away. We cut back to the vault and we see that Thorpe has a skeleton key to unlock the last part that I guess Sugar Palm couldn't hack. And he says as a kid, he loved unwrapping presents so much that after he opened his presents, his mom would have piles of wrapped empty boxes just so he could unwrap them. And he didn't even care that they were empty. And he says this is the vault opens to a bunch of empty tubs where there's supposed to be money. Yup. <laughs> he changes his tune and he's like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> he gave some speech earlier about how he's ruining his reputation doing this and Scrooge is like, buy yourself a new reputation. Yeah. And they realize that someone else has already stolen the money. Trudy sees Santa 
Like she's looking from the attic. She sees him limping into a barn where he's trying to rest and she radios him to check on him. Right. And he says that there are a lot of new bad guys here and that they're all on the naughty list and they got all those gadgets and gizmos (laughs) and he's in trouble. Right. He said that this might be it and that the naughty list just keeps growing every year. And then the beta team sets up some gear to go and attack him because there's this one guy that's got the thermal kit. Right. And they're carrying it around and he can see him in there and they're all prepping their guns to go in. Yep, they're gizmos. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love that because I left it out earlier, but at some point he took either Tinsel or the other asshole's gun from him, but he couldn't figure out how to fire it. Yeah. So he knows what they are, but he doesn't know how they work. He yes. knows there's a 911, but it's a thing, and he doesn't know how to get a hold of it, right? Yes, and it's going to come back later when he's holding one of the guns. And yeah. He's like, it's yeah. one of those gizmos. <laughs> <laughs> I got it in here. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. But Trudy wants to know what Santa would want for Christmas this year if he could have anything in the world. And he takes his ring off, his wedding ring, and he says, I would give anything to see Mrs. Claus again this year and tell her that I love her. And Trudy says that he needs to make this wish come true, and he accidentally drops the ring. And has like an oh shit moment chasing it as, as it's rolling, which I'm sure we've all been through before we swapped silicone rings. And <laughs> it's kind of glowing in a spotlight, which is neat. Yeah. And then it slams into a giant sledgehammer. And he's really pumped, puts his ring on, picks up the hammer, and tells Trudy he's ready to shove some coal up some anuses. Yup. <laughs> I love how they revisit all the gags. We then see him do this badass kata with the hammer, which I saw the B-roll footage of David Harbour doing it. Okay. David Harbour learned him some hammer tricks for this movie. Nice. <laughs> and he says he's going to eat through these bad guys like a plate full of cookies. <laughs> the Santa <laughs> jokes keep on coming. This is a long fight. With a metric shit ton of guys dying. So I'm going to surmise it the best I can with just the cool kills. Okay. Okay. Lots of guys die though. (laughs) Most of them die simply by him smashing their heads in with the hammer. Sometimes after he broke their knees and elbows with the hammer. He stabs one guy with a sled and kills him that way. And at one point he uses ice skates as boxing gloves to slit throats and punch guys in the heart. And he eventually uses one of them to decapitate a guy into a post. It's kind of badass. During all of this, he's sucking on the giant candy cane until he pulls it out and it's at a point and he's like, oh yeah. And he uses it as a shiv and shanks a lot of people with the fucking candy cane. <laughs> and somewhere in here, he cranks like a wood chipper and yeah. he ties rope around two different guys and a weight and he throws the middle part into the wood chipper. So it pulls the guys in and wood chips them and chunks of them go flying out everywhere from where they got shoot up. All awesome. and. If the scene wasn't cool enough, it is done to There is Something About Christmas Time by Brian Adams. I thought that sounded like fucking Brian Adams. <laughs> it's a very slow, traditional Brian Adams song. It's actually a pretty good Christmas song. But it's so slow and pretty and peaceful as he's massacring the fuck out of people. Yes, there's really, choruses of really children it. in this song yeah. <laughs> while this is going on. Oh, my God. I love this movie. <laughs> But fuck, I forgot the best part. There's the guy outside watching the cams and the thermals from outside as his buddies die. And he's the last one left as Santa kicks open the door with the hammer over his head. And he's like, Jesus Christ. And Santa goes, nope, just jolly old St. Nick. (laughs) He chunks the hammer, (laughs) bringing the guy in the head as he tries to run away. And then Santa dives on him, takes a hand grenade off his belt, pulls out the pin, and rolls it down the back of his pants and takes off running as the guy's going, fuck, 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 trying to find the, the grenade in his fatigues. And Santa just stops and he goes, I kind of got to watch. Yes. And he turns around and he watches the guy explode and he just says like a ho, 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 ho. 
awesome, awesome, like 10 minute fight scene right there. <laughs> During all this, Scrooge is threatening the family, wanting to know what someone did with the money and said that he's going to start shooting random people until they tell him where the money is. And then Bert yes. raises his hand and he's like, what the fuck do you want? And he goes, what if you randomly shoot the only person that knows where the money is? <laughs> And he uncocks his gun and he's like, fuck, I hate this family. <laughs> Scrooge then decides that only actual family members would be trusted with this information and that the in-laws are free to go. Right. Like by that, he means he's just going to kill the in-laws because Gertrude wouldn't have told him. Yes. He grabs Linda immediately to shoot her and Jason reveals that he stole all of the money to get out from under his mom. They don't go into detail, but he told Linda that his mom put him on a special project the day before. We yep. found out the money got delivered the day before. He immediately stole the money and never put it in the vault just so that they could get away. It tracks. Somewhere in here, I don't remember if it's right here or later. It's probably not even in my notes, but Linda gets mad at him because she's like, I always hated your family and their money. Why did you think getting more of the money <laughs> would fix problems? Yes. And he's like, when you put it that way, it does sound kind of dumb. <laughs> but his heart was in the right place, right? Totally. This is the part of my notes that I labeled as Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> so while this is going on, Gingerbread and Candy Cane finds the open attic with uh, like the ladder stairs coming down, right? And there's some booby traps set up. We have a welcome mat with nails, screws, razor blades, and drill bits sticking up, and a giant nail sticking through one of the steps. And... Candy Cane and Gingerbread see all of this because it's so obvious. And Gingerbread says that booby traps only work if you hide them. That's what he yells up the attic to Trudy. Yes. And then he starts to climb the ladder. And he gets a couple steps up and he doesn't realize that one of the steps is sawed in half. So when he steps on it, it breaks and he falls and the nail, it's CGI, but it's still fucking great. Goes through the bottom of his chin, through his tongue, into the roof of his mouth, right? Yes. And he's screaming in pain, and Candy Cane runs over to see what's going on, and she's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so she's like gagging, and we've already heard that she scoops dude's brains out, so it yeah. makes it funnier. And she's like, I'm going to get this fucker. And she climbs up the ladder while stepping <laughs> Leaves him stuck on there. Shit. Yeah, and he's just stuck there. And... Gingerbread finally pulls his chin off the nail right as Trudy unleashes a rail that she designed full of bowling balls where they fall and hit a mini trampoline and bounce. They sling right at Candy Cane, who dodges them continuously, but they all go down the attic hole hitting Gingerbread, and one of them knocks him over, making him fall on the mat with everything sticking into his ass, right? He gets up. And he's bleeding everywhere, limps over to the ladder, has a giant nail sticking out of his ass cheek, pulls it out and looks at it like an idiot, right as Candy Cane finally gets hit in the shin by one of the bowling balls and gets knocked over. And the ball flies off, hits the nail, drives it all the way in his fucking brain, killing him and knocking him back on the welcome mat. He's Marv. Yes. <laughs> She's Harry. He's Marv. This is how it would go down. You'd die when all that shit happened, right? It's fucking awesome. It's like, it's dumb that he's just looking at it, but awesome at the same time. Because <laughs> if it's supposed to be a Home Alone throwback, yes. it was a fucking Home Alone throwback. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. It totally feels like it because we all see it coming, but the moron doesn't. Marv would have totally looked at the nail while the bowling ball yes. was going. <laughs> I just watched both Home Alones recently and the bricks flying off the roof. <laughs> well, that it, it reminds me of the fucking, uh, the iron in the shoot. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's that? Whack. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
Oh, shit, it's great. I mean, it's a really good Home Alone scene. But Candy Cane eventually makes it past the ball trap, and she walks up to a tripwire, which she stops at at the last second and steps over it in her giant combat boots, which stick to some, like, fucking gnarly-ass glue that's all on the floor. And she steps out of the first couple of things, but it just keeps getting stickier as she goes, and her feet get stuck. Trudy then lets loose two cinder blocks tied to rocks, which Candy Cane badassly catches with one hand, pulls the knife out with her other hand, Cuts the rope and slings the two fucking cinder blocks like they're fucking paper, right? Just to show you she's a badass. About that time, Trudy surfs a giant punching bag <laughs> through the attic while Candy Cane was distracted, hitting her, knocking her over in the glue. And she put her hands back, right, to do that, like, spring up thing. But her hands are stuck in her head. So she eventually does the springboard move and flops up to her feet, but scalps herself. <laughs> yes. Like, it took her hair and part of her scalp, and she's bleeding everywhere, and she's extra pissed. When all she had to do was take her boots off and swing away on the ropes, the cinder blocks were on instead of cutting them off. But c'est la vie. <laughs> or do exactly what she did and throw the cinder blocks the other direction. Or throw the cinder blocks and pull her gun out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People no, forget about guns. There's a lot of guns. things that could happen here. <laughs> But it was the heat. Guns always, like Home Alone, it's like, why don't they just shoot them? Well, that comes into play here in a minute. (laughs) It's a Christmas movie. I know, I know. (laughs) So, Candy Cane, I don't remember if I said it or not, she takes her boots off because she's past the glue now and starts walking, but unfortunately, there's broken Christmas tree ornaments everywhere. So, she's stepping on them just like Marv cutting her feet, right? Yep. She makes it over to a corner where Trudy's at, and she's made a giant slingshot, and she's shooting various things like tennis balls and whatnot at candy cane and she just keeps swatting them away like what the fuck and then randomly there's like a five or ten pound dumbbell weight <laughs> and she launches that and it's candy cane right in the face knocks yes. the fuck out of her and then she's like enough of this shit and pulls her gun out on trudy and trudy's like oh fuck what do i do i'm stuck in a corner and he's got a gun and then you see the sledgehammer come flying into frame nail her in the chest and she goes taking off and I saw the behind-the-scenes shot, and David Harbour's like, right here, right here, right? He has to sling this hammer and stop at the right spot so it's in frame. But she's on, like, a pulley system, and, like, I, like I told you earlier, she's a stunt actress. They didn't need a stunt double, right? Yeah. And she just gets fucking yanked through all these pallets, and they explode or whatever, and they're like, are you good? I want another take. <laughs> like, poor, poor stunt people. <laughs> and David Harbour's just looking over like, fuck. <laughs> Damn. But right as Santa nails her in the chest with this sledgehammer, knocking her back 12 feet through the attic, we hear this whimsical, I know I've used the term a lot this episode, but it's a, <laughs> it's a good explanation of the Christmas music that kicks in during these, these scenes. And Trudy's like, I'd made traps just like in the movie. And she hugs him and he like, ho, ho, ho. A lot of movies, they can't pull the ho, ho, ho's off right. He does them as laughs, like convincingly. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> good. Yeah, it, it's not. Cringy. Like even Kurt Russell in Christmas Chronicles, which I fucking love him in those. Those are kids' family friendly Christmas movies, but he's fantastic in them. Even he makes jokes about how he doesn't say ho 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 because he couldn't do it. <laughs> like he does one at the end of the movie and it's like so forced. Yeah. I don't know. Harbor fucking nailed it in this film. Anyways, Santa notices that Candy Cane's still stirring on the floor in the attic and he tells Trudy to plug her ears, close her eyes, and sing jingle bells out loud. He then walks up to Candy Cane and is like, you were about to kill an innocent girl. And Candy Cane's like, innocent, (laughs) which I love. And uh, he starts to yell that it was naughty, naughty and smashes her head in with sledgehammer. I'm calling the third act right here. 
by the rules of film and screenplay writing, the third <laughs> act actually isn't going to come up for a little bit, but it's about two minutes long. So I'm going to call this the third act because it gets things going in motion, okay? Okay. Jason takes Thorpe and Scrooge to the money, which he's hidden behind the hay bales at the manger scene in the family yard there. And Scrooge quotes the three wise men from the Bible as he finds the cash, <laughs> which is great. It just adds to his character. And he then radios his entire team to kill the hostages. We cut to Krampus in the family room, and he is very excited being the sociopath on the team. And Alva's pouring this, like, I don't even want to call it a pint glass. It looks kind of like a flower vase. <laughs> straight vodka, like not giving a fuck because that's what she's drinking. He's like, okay, time's up. Who am I going to shoot first? And, like, Linda, Bert, and Alva are taking turns calling each other assholes, alcoholics, gold diggers. Yada, yada, yada. And he just keeps moving the gun back and forth because he doesn't know which one of them he hates the most to shoot. And he's like, just like shooting fish in a barrel. And Alva chunks the fucking flower vase of vodka into the fireplace, which is right behind his ass, launches a fireball out and catches his ass on fire and he falls over. They then grab all of the fireplace implements. (laughs) They used implement again and beat the shit out of them. It might as well have been to a queen soundtrack like in Shaun of the Dead, right? Yeah. And they beat the fuck out of him, and he comes back for one last slasher scare as Elva decapitates him with the fireplace shovel, right? Yes. And she thanks Linda for all of her help, and Linda's like, well, it is nice to actually do something as a family for once. (laughs) Just a nice little joke there. So are we supposed to believe that the alcoholic bitch and gold digger comments were a ruse? No. I (laughs) I think they're all playing it off that way. Exactly. But Trudy then runs into the room with Santa Claus and introduces him to the family as such, and they really don't know what's going on. What the fuck? Santa then picks up Krampus's gun and asks if anyone knows how to work one of these gizmos, <laughs> which Linda says, I think I do. I used to go hunting with my dad all the time. And he throws it to her. And then we immediately cut to her laying covering fire on the Alpha team as Santa goes in with the fucking hammer laying the smack down on everybody and he knocks out one dude with Christmas magic-infused snowballs. This does happen. Thorpe and Scrooge take off on the snowmobiles with the money. Thorpe throws Gertrude on his snowmobile. Um, there's like a third red shirt on a snowmobile. And Linda runs up with Santa, and she's like, Thank you, Mr. Claus, which confuses the fuck out of Jason, right? Because he just watched this guy in a Santa suit murder a bunch of guys with a hammer, and she's like, runs up with a fucking assault rifle. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Claus. And um, they almost make up and kiss right here with with the music playing the, the whimsical tune once again. Um, right as the guy that got decked with the snowball gets up, and they have a comical fight against him, trying to take him down. I mean, Jason's like screaming and making like karate sounds and jumping on the guy's back and getting his ass kicked. And uh, they eventually take him out, I think, with like uh, Jesus from the manger, like the crack on his head. And I think Linda impales his throat with an icicle. <laughs> yes. Somewhere in here, though, before that happened, Santa, I'm sorry, I, I went right past it. Santa says, sorry to baby Jesus and slings him off and takes the manger and uses it as a sleigh to chase down the snowmobile. Oh, yeah. She's a very... Santa-like move. <laughs> and by the way, the final baddie there, the final red shirt, I guess it wasn't the last one, but that was Jingle. Okay. Oh, okay. But the, the parents finally get to kiss, and Trudy sees this, and she's just smiling ear to ear like she just got her Christmas present, right? Totally. 
it's that look, but it lasted more than two seconds. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but during all this, like I said, Santa's chasing down the snowmobiles with a sleigh, and he comes to a hill, and he dives on the sleigh and goes down, flies to the air, braining the red shirt in the head, I'm assuming killing him, taking him out and taking the snowball for himself. And then what ensues looks a lot like the speeder bike chase <laughs> on indoor from Return of the Jedi. Tell me I'm wrong because it's not. <laughs> I mean, there's like some, some dodges in there just like it. And this includes Gertrude fighting with Thorpe, and he eventually says, fuck this, and throws her off the sled, just in time to clothesline himself into a tree, much like a scout trooper in Return of the Jedi. Gertrude comes to and sees Thorpe's gun on the ground and reaches for it. Santa then chases down Scrooge as the only mobile bad guy, only to find him on foot, goading him into charging at him, which at this part I think is kind of dumb. The idea on Scrooge's part is fine. The fact that Santa fell for it is not fine, but let's just say it was Viking rage. Okay. <laughs> let's sugarcoat it. Let's get past it. Okay. This. Basically, Scrooge is standing in front of a giant rock or tree stump, goads claws into charging at him, dives at the last second, making Scrooge hit the object, which propels Santa through the air, through the wall into a shed, and the snowmobile comes falling behind him, right? Yes. Scrooge then unloads several guns on the building, and we see that it only hits the wall floors, ceiling, and smacks a couple holes in the gas tank on the snowmobile, causing a leak. Scrooge walks into the giant, you know, Looney Tunes, Wally Coyote-shaped hole in the wall <laughs> and finds Santa on the ground and sees his, like, rolled-up, magical, naughty, nice list. And he unrolls it, and he sees the names popping up, and it says, like, killed best friend, killed old man, like, all sorts <laughs> of shit for him on naughty. And he now knows that Santa Claus is real. Go back to you and Ginger. Because of how this fight's about to end. No, no, no. This tricks. The only person in the vicinity with him now knows he's Santa and believes in him. Okay? Are we good still? Uh, that's not the, the tricks. Christmas magic. tricks. tricks. You got to explain it to the wife. I want to see how it goes. But uh, <laughs> it makes sense because every time he uses his Christmas magic, there is more believers than non-believers in the proximity. Yeah. Anyways, Scrooge is even more pumped to kill Santa. Like he's got to call his doctor because he's got an erection that he's going to maintain for more than four hours because this is the real Santa and he fucking really hates Christmas and he wants to kill him. <laughs> and he says he finally gets to end this fucking holiday and they start the fight off in the shed. And I think Santa has cl the climbing axes. I don't remember what you call them at first. And Scrooge is fighting with his ass baton until a trail of fire leads up to the snowmobile and they look at each other like, oh shit, and both take off running and they dive out and it explodes and they go flip into the air, right? Yes. They get into final melee combat on a giant sheet of ice in front of a large chimney that I had to explain to myself as it's a family fire pit, maybe. I don't know because there's no, unless there used to be a building there like the other one and it's collapsed. That's what I but thought. It is a, Fireplace and chimney. 100%. It was, yeah, yeah. It's like Evil Dead, like where they really shot it, where there used to be a house there. The barn survived. They were fighting in the barn, and all that's left of the house is the chimney. Yeah, yeah. But Santa ends up with a sledgehammer, and Scrooge ends up with the baton and one of the, the climbing axes. But the real advantage here is that Scrooge has the spikes on his shoes for climbing ice and mountains and snow or whatever. Yes. And Santa's in boots. So Santa keeps losing his footing. Scrooge stays gripped the whole time. And at some point, they lock their weapons. And Scrooge just starts to push on Santa, running full speed with the spikes, right? So he can shove Santa back. He slams Santa into the fireplace mantle, stabs him in the heart with one of the climbing axes, then pins one of his hands to the wall with the axe, 
beats on him some more, and he pulls out his knife to get the killing blow on Santa. He goes in for the stab, but Santa yanks his hand out of the axe, like just fucking ripping his hand open, right? And he catches the hand, the knife hand, with it. And somewhere in here, Scrooge said that this is the last Christmas ever. And Santa responds with, not if you still believe. And taps his nose with his free hand while holding the knife. Turns into magical dust. Goes through the fireplace, up the chimney, bringing Scrooge with him, who does not turn into coal dust. (laughs) Bumps into the tiny hole over and over again. And you just hear him breaking as he goes up it. Santa materializes on top of the chimney, holding only a torso as blood fucking sprays everywhere. And he starts laughing hysterically and throws a torso on the ground. Okay. And I still believe. <laughs> okay. Was that a uh, Lost Boys the Musical <laughs> reference right there? You're goddamn right. <laughs> it's gory as fucking awesome at the same time, though. Yes. But right after Santa throws the torso to the ground, he does a really hearty ho, ho, ho. And then he takes several rounds to the chest. Falling off the chimney, hitting the ground, and it was Thorpe standing there with his gun. And he goes, I have no idea what in the fuck is going on here. It's <laughs> right now. So I'm assuming he saw the whole like chimney fiasco. And he's like, what the fuck? Yes. And he goes to finish Santa off with a headshot from point blank range. Right as Gertrude walks up with the pistol she found on the ground earlier and blows his fucking brains out. Right. Because Gertrude was not afraid to pull the trigger. <laughs> Uh, her character was real, really well developed in that direction. Yes. Jason, Linda, Trudy, Alva, and Bert all run up and see Santa on the ground bleeding out. And Trudy immediately runs past her parents up to him to hug him. And Jason's like, oh, leave him alone, honey, and slides over and he grabs Santa. And uh, I think Santa's holding Trudy's hand the whole time, right? And Jason's like, you saved my daughter. And Santa's like, no, she saved me. Oh. And he's like, oh, I'm getting cold. I haven't felt cold in years. And I, I think you mean since he was a Viking, not <laughs> since he was saying right. And they decide that they need to get a fire near him to keep him warm. But all the fire is burning out. But Jason's like, oh, fuck, I got cash over here. So he grabs a bag of money. And Alva's like, Jason, don't. <laughs> no. And he burns. We find out it's only like half a million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> he burns. She's freaking out, right? But he burns the money to make a giant fire pit to warm Santa up. And uh, Trudy takes Santa by the hand if she didn't already, but they're, they're, they're hand locked and like holding each other. And he says, I'm sorry, I couldn't give you what you wanted for Christmas. And she's like, but you already did give it to me. And then he dies in her arms. They check his vitals and confirm that he is truly dead and let Trudy know this. Trudy says that he can't die because he's Santa Claus and she believes in him. And Jason's like, I don't know who this man is, but he saved you and he saved our family. So I guess I believe in him too. And then Linda follows suit saying, it could only be Santa that could have pulled all of this off. Then out of nowhere, Bert's like, I believe in him too. And Gertrude's like, I guess I do too. And then you see Alva go, fuck me. <laughs> I believe in him too. And they all stare at Santa Claus. And you see a snowflake fall in slow-mo and, and hit him in the forehead. And he coughs and he comes back to life. And they're all like, what the fuck? And Jason's like, you were dead. And Santa goes, I don't know. Christmas magic. I still don't really know how it works. <laughs> And then at some point, like, it, it cuts, like, you can tell it's, like, a time later, but it cuts to, like, him, like, fixing his jacket and stuff, like, getting ready to leave. Yeah. And Jason's like, I don't know how I can ever pay you. <laughs> this is one of David Harbour's best deliveries in the film. He's like, well, you brought me back from the dead, so we can call it even. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when Alva's like, oh, we burned half a million dollars. It's hardly even. <laughs> <laughs> But right after all this happens, the sleigh lands with the reindeer. Trudy points it out. 
Santa turns around, runs up, and he starts going off on the reindeer. And he's like, oh, now you're here. After leaving me for dead, I'm going to turn you all into stew and feed you to the elves. And he's kicking the snow yes. like Tom Hanks <laughs> in a league of their own, kicking the dirt, right? That's the and best part about that, man. <laughs> then he sees that they went home and they got his spare Christmas sack full of magic presents. And he's like, oh, my God, I can't stay mad at you guys. And he's, like, hugging them and stuff and rubbing their heads. And then there's a letter from Mrs. C telling him, like, Merry Christmas. I love you. I think you might need this. And it's Skull Crusher, his Viking hammer. He throws it over his shoulder. He says bye to Trudy and heads off to finish his rounds. And then he gives us – I'm so glad they put this in there. He does, like, the whole, you know, on Dasher, on Prancer. Like, he does the whole night before Christmas, like, call out to the reindeer as he takes off towards the moon. and then we get snow covered blood splattering credits we do which is fantastic with a mid-credit scene of bert walking up to thorpe's dead body with his brains blown out live casting on whatever the fuck you know social media platform he uses and he's like guys santa's real stay off his naughty list or we end up like this guy dead as hell bert <laughs> out <laughs> and and that's it the movie fucking ends and i watched it right before christmas last year first time i'd ever seen it laughed my ass off i'm a big david harbour fan to begin with i thought it was a lot of fun and awesome and then this year i kind of wanted to cover it but i was like i gotta do anna and the apocalypse or people are gonna hate me and then i watched anna and then immediately watched this afterwards i'm like god i love this movie i watched it with my 10 <laughs> year old son i watched it with my in-laws and they were in town i watched the movie like six times this year it's the christmas movie i watched the most and and sometimes people make fun of me but the way i rate films is the rewatchability. And this has the rewatchability of Christmas Vacation, Christmas Story, and Elf to me. Like, Damn. those are family staples in my house. I'm going to watch this movie every year. The one-liners and the violence are so funny that they're not going to get old. Like, I'm always <laughs> going to laugh watching those scenes. And I don't know. It's, it's a lot of fun. It hits a lot of nails on the head perfectly for me. And... I don't know. It's like if you told me on paper what this movie was, I'm with David Harbour and John Leguizamo. It's going to suck. <laughs> but they pulled it off. Yeah. And every scene is compelling. All the jokes are universally funny. And I really don't ever see this movie getting old to me. How do you feel about it, though? <laughs> um, I like the uh, Die Hard with Santa analogy. That pretty much sums it up. Yeah. Would you watch Die Hard every year, right? Well, I try to. This is the first year the wife's let me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's fun. It's approachable because it's violent, but yeah. it's not that gory as far as approachable for the general audience. Which is obvious to me with like, my father-in-law, of course, loved it, which he likes action movies. But while my wife was like, this is a terrible movie the whole time, even though she was still laughing. My mother-in-law apparently liked the movie the entire time, too, and it is definitely not her cup of tea. I do feel <laughs> like it it does reach out to multiple audiences, as I think you're alluding to. Yeah. Now, we know me. I like my dirty jokes and my gore, and when it gets touchy-feely, I'm like, deuces. But it had your dirty jokes, it had your gore, but it did squeeze in the touchy-feely. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's an every year for me, but I'm the kind of guy that every year is <laughs> Jack Frost and fucking yeah. Krampus. So... <laughs> But no, so for me, like I have vibes for the seasons and I don't know, Christmas movies have to have the happy feeling to me at some point. 
I can see that because see, I'm not I'm not big on Christmas. I never have been. I know you're not. So it to me, it's just like, what's my excuse to watch these particular movies? Is <laughs> as much as I think right. about it. <laughs> and even Die Hard has that because he just wants to get to his kids for Christmas to give them presents because he hasn't seen them in how long? Yes, and that is the touchy feely part of it, right? Yeah, yeah. And the insane Hans Gruber falling off the roof in slow mo. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we just covered. Die Hard, but with Santa Claus, I think it would be best to introduce this film as the Terminator, but at Christmas time. Yes. <laughs> so Josh, take us away. All right. So this one was written and directed by Joe Bagos, who did Bliss and VFW. VFW, I know we've both seen. I've not seen Bliss. Yeah. I've not seen Bliss either. There's only like 15 people in the movie, but I'm going to go on a few of them here because you really only get to see three for most of the movie. You've got Riley Dandy as Tori, who hasn't been in much. She did, however, do a few Hallmark Christmas movies. One really big one that she got famous for came out the same year as this movie. That's fucking hilarious. That's the joke I was making earlier because she does Hallmark Christmas films and then did this. Well, see, in an interview, when she read for this, she's like, there's no way I'm going to get this movie. I'm not metal enough. I'm not horror enough. There's just no right. way. And uh, she was actually really stoked to to get the part. But Sam Delick, Delich, it's probably pronounced in a fucked up way because he's like foreign as hell. And I don't mean that in a mean way. He plays Robbie. And again, not in much. Those are our leads. Jonah Ray as Jay, who is in the the retooling of mystery science theater 3000 uh stand okay. stand against evil victor crowley he's been in a few things dora madison who got her big break in friday night lights but was also in vfw and bliss as lana okay um jeff daniel phillips as sheriff monroe who was in the monsters three from hell satanic panic like lots of rob zombie shit i did not know what i knew him from and you know i don't watch a lot of rob zombie films yeah. i haven't seen three from hell satanic panic or most rob zombie films I did, however, watch The Monsters twice. Oh, okay. And he's Herman. Yeah. Now, the holy shit moment for me in this film is Abraham Ben-Ruby as Santa, who was okay. in fucking Bliss, the Boko Experiment, but he was in fucking Parker Lewis Can't Lose in ER. Oh, my God. You're fucking talking about Larry Kubiak. I didn't realize that was him. Yes. I would have known it if you didn't tell me. I'm watching the behind the scenes for this film, which is a three minute featurette and it gets to him. And I'm like, why is this guy being interviewed? And he's talking about how he fucking loves gory, insane horror movies, especially when they're centered around holidays. And of course, fuck. Yeah. I was going to be in this movie. I love working with Joe. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, special effects. I got to mention Josh Russell and his wife. Um, I believe it's husband wife team. Most recently did uh, alkaline trio video, blood, hair and eyeballs. Oh, okay. That's the it's zombie video. And God, what skateboarders in there? This is like real recent. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's like weeks recent. Yeah. Have you heard the two songs of the new album? No, <laughs> you've told me about Thank it, but God I haven't listened. Matt's not in Blink-182 anymore because Alkaline Trio is going to kick ass in this next album. <laughs> but he also did effects work in Southbound, Bliss, and VFW. So we got people okay. here that have, that most of these people and the producer all know each other. One thing I can say about this movie at least with the the primary cast, uh, Tori and Robbie, they carry this movie. Oh, like, yeah. Their acting is phenomenal. I don't know if I could have made it through the first viewing if it wasn't for them to like, <laughs> bring me along for the ride. They're completely believable the whole time, like the platonic relationship, the jokes. They sound like real-life conversations. 
And I really liked it. Because I'm going to be honest. I watched this movie the first time, and I'm like, this movie's pretty fucking trash. I was doing something else when I watched it. I, however, did watch it three additional times afterwards. <laughs> and I like the movie. It grew on me a lot. I like it more in VFW, but it, it has the same problem to me as VFW. Yes. That it has one thing going for it that saves it. Yep. So VFW was a very banal idea. <laughs> but you had a lot of legendary old action actors in the film. Yes. I would have never fucking watched it if they weren't in it. Exactly. And they're what made it enjoyable. And that was the cast. This movie is very generic and not great in a lot of aspects, but the cast carried me through it again. And I get it. The director does control the actors, tell them what he wants, blah, blah, blah. Maybe that's a strong point. He needs a better writing team. That's what he needs. Well, that's the problem is he's, he's the writer. <laughs> yeah. Is, is he? Okay. Okay. So, he and and with the dialogue, like in the interviews and the featurettes and everything they're saying, this is the reason the dialogue's like this is because this is how Joe talks. And that's what people understand that like have friends that are potty mouths, that it sounds like yeah. real conversations. It doesn't sound like polished plan conversations. And that basically he would say, this is what I need you to say. Now do it your way. And they would okay. just film stuff over and over again. And that's why the dialogue flows so well. And when you don't know what else to say, you say fuck if you're a potty mouth. Right. I forget the grand total, but the movie averages one fuck every like 4.6 minutes. <laughs> um, and it really does. I can believe it. But it's like, a, it, it's almost like if not as polished as far as an expanded vernacular that Kevin Smith has, but the potty yeah. mouth humor of Kevin Smith in I his prime yeah. doing a yeah. horror movie is what this feels like. And I'm the same as you. The first time I watched it, I'm like, that was all right. And then when I picked it for the podcast, I'm like, I want to watch that again. And after the yeah. second watch, I'm like, this is better than I give it credit for, especially once you hit the second half. And, and then after the third watch, I'm like, no, I fucking love this movie. <laughs> And honestly, I don't even think you said the name of your film. <laughs> I let you say it, right? Fuck, I don't know. It's Christmas, bloody Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we said it. What year did it come out? Yeah, if I remember right, it came out last year, right around the same time as Violent okay. Night. So anybody want to watch these films that hadn't seen them, Christmas, bloody Christmas is on Shutter right now. Yes. And Violent Nights on Amazon Prime Video. Yes, this is a Shutter flick. Yeah, it is Shutter flick. Well, this one started off as Silent Night, Deadly Night as another yep. remake and the studio read it and said, fuck you. You're not making this movie. <laughs> okay. And so Joe basically retooled his script for silent night, deadly night and turned it into Christmas, bloody Christmas Terminator. Yeah. Christmas yeah, yeah. edition. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We're going to get into a lot of that. Um, there's not a lot of behind the scenes on this movie. Imagine that seven and a half week shoot. And yes, they okay. use real green lasers for Santa's eyes, but we'll get there. That part was sick. And yes. the way Santa looks on the cover for the movie and the poster is sick. The green glowing ball stuck in his beard for half the movie. I don't know why that's there. one of the dumbest fucking things I've ever seen <laughs> in movie effect history. Well, it was partially an homage to the Terminator when he gets half his face ripped off and you get the glowing eyes. So the first time he takes damage, you get something glowing. But it's still. Yeah, his chin. His chin glows randomly. <laughs> now, when he gets fucked up later and he looks like the Terminator and actually it's pretty impressive animatronic or puppeteering work they did there. Yeah. And the, you got the laser eyes. That's cool. But his chin ain't glowing no more. So the tagline for this one's very similar to the other tagline. You better not cry. <laughs> yep. Yep. And something about eating ass and seeing his throne. 
Yes, because this is going to have Josh's <laughs> lewd content warning right fucking here. Y'all know how I get I'll you to it. <laughs> Y'all know the kind of movies I pick. And like Jesse just said, we're going to go there in this one and we're going to go there really fucking hardcore. So um, if you can't handle a lot of butt sex jokes or who gives who head and how good they are at it, um, turn back now or earmuffs. Let's go. Can we open with channel 83 for some TV commercials? It's like VHS. Yes. First is a commercial for malt liquor for the whole family. Then we change channels <laughs> yeah. to mommy blowing Santa. Then we change channels to tonight Santa in concert. <laughs> then we change channels to Christmas cream pies. The best cream pies you'll have. <laughs> Jesus. I didn't even know if I caught the last one, but then we land on a commercial for the military contractor. Solwell robotic products and their robo Santa. Plus, full motion speaks 90,000 phrases. Robo Santa Plus fully replaces your local degenerate mall Santa, keeping you and your children safe. And I think the commercial even says it was like a failed military project now repurposed as mall Santas. Yes. And one of the places you can see him <laughs> now is Bonkers Toy Store. Oh, yeah. We hit the opening credits, but no title card just yet. As we're following Tori into a music store for a quick introduction to Jay, who needs to find a gift for his girl, Lana, and Robbie. And the store that we're in is like the New York alley version of like the store we used to have here that went through like five different names, like a uh, turtle spin street and all that stuff. So it's yeah, not, yeah. It, it's music movies, knickknacks, but this is like the gutter punk version of that with like shit spray painted oh, yeah. on the walls. And like it just, just to put you in, in, in perspective here. So we then get our title card that looks like it was made by Mike judge. Cause it totally reminds me of the beefs and butthead font. <laughs> we are four minutes in and seven fucks deep. <laughs> just so everyone knows. <laughs> so we get to see Tori, the boss and Robbie, the worker shutting down the store. And, uh, they're talking about their big Christmas Eve plans. And, uh, Robbie has none. And Tori is going to bang her Tinder date. What the fuck else am I supposed to do? You want me to go home, drink some whiskey, sit by the fire, buy my lonesome, watch Christmas story like every other fucking douchebag in America? Yeah, sounds kind of nice. Mm. Or you could go drink some whiskey with me. So it's already clear that Robbie wants to bang Tori. Maybe he will. So Robbie goes on to make fun of Tori's Tinder date, Emmett Eyeliner, and says that <laughs> she should just hang with him, get shitty, and then she can go home and flick her bean. He then shows Tori a video of Emmett Eyeliner. And it's like, look at him streaming live from his mom's basement. And she's like, yeah, what, the, yeah. what the fuck? Why is he fucking whisper singer singing? And she's like, so he doesn't wake up his mom or his wife or his four kids. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> we find out he's got a lot of kids, a lot of different mamas. Yes. And Tori's like, all right, fuck it, Robbie. I'll hang out with you. But we got to stop off at the toy store first. So Tori can drop off Lana's gift. And it's the booze that they're passing back and forth through this entire scene. <laughs> So what's left of this is going to be Lana's Christmas present. It's going to be a real quick in and out at the toy store Christmas fuck fest as they steer clear of the cum covered teddy bears. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause that is Jay and Lana's plans for the night is to fuck all over the toy store. So on the walk to said toy store, they bitch about Christmas music and they debate what's tolerable mentioning <laughs> things from bad religion, the Ramones, the Crip keeper Christmas rap and motorhead, which is a nice touch. What I'm going to go ahead and say right now is every time Tori and Robbie have a debate, because they're going to continue to, I agree with Robbie. And it has nothing to do with the fact that he has a penis. I just agree with his taste. I will say they are two of the most relatable film characters ever. It's like we grew up with them. 
Yes. And this shit is so dialogue heavy through the first half. I don't want to bore y'all oh, with yeah. all of it. So you're going to hear really off color, oddball lines come from me, but they're fully fleshed out in the film. If you want to check it out. Don't worry, Josh, they're all used to it by now. <laughs> so with that in mind, they soon arrive at Jay and Lana's Christmas fuck fest pregame at Bonkers Toy Store. Oh, yeah. And they give Lana her gift while Jay cleans his musty dick. And then Jay comes out and they have a drink, comment on Emmett Eyeliner some more, and then Robo Santa speaks up. Okay. Cheers. 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 Bah humbug. Bah humbug. Ho, ho, ho. Come sit on Santa's lap and tell him what you want for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking hate that. No, they all get recalled. Priest so. said that to me when I was a young boy. That's some fuck shit. Uh, yeah, it, it's really funny. They all know who Emmett Eyeliner is. And, yes, uh, I love that. Running they joke. started talking about dude's dick being like a Gatorade bottle yet. No, no, no. That's in here, that's in here later. I promise. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so after they have a drink together, Tori and Robbie then move up to their next stop, which is shutting down the local bar. Where on the TV we get some important news about how the Robo Santas are reverting to their OG Defense Department firmware. This goes unnoticed by the duo, save for Tori saying, will you turn that shit off? It's depressing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the bartender, I forget his name, but he's actually a pr- the producer on the film, too. So they keep drinking and they go into this long fucking argument about how every rock band turns to shit when they cut their hair. And uh, and Tori's like, uh, <laughs> look at Metallica. They cut off their hair and they put out load. And then look at Chris fucking Cornell. <laughs> he cuts out his hair. Cuts off his hair and they put out fucking super unknown. And Robbie's like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's the best fucking album Soundgarden ever put out. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> I don't even like Soundgarden, but that's true. It is. So at any rate, <laughs> they go on and on. Robbie keeps ragging about Emmett Eyeliner in hopes of getting some action. And eventually Sheriff Monroe stops in pretty much <laughs> long enough to have a couple of drinks and bitch about how his wife clipped his balls <laughs> and the bar closes. Reminds me a lot of David Harbour's Santa Claus, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, at the Christmas Fuckfest, Santa springs to life, grabs a fire axe. This is all POV. While Jay is eating Lana's ass. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because they can't wait till Christmas. Exactly. And that's, so you're seeing Santa walking through the store looking for a weapon, but you can hear them in the background. It's like, if you lose, I'm going to make you eat my ass on this throne. And he's like, I'm going to do it right now. It's like so fucking. <laughs> yeah, fuck. It is so old and school. The, and the first time watching this movie, I'm like, okay, this is cringy. <laughs> like kids cannot watch this one. <laughs> <laughs> So, of course, they start banging up on the throne, and uh, the only one coming is Santa, and he hacks up Jay from behind, and Lana runs, but Santa ends up bashing her face into a glass display case over and over again, and the POV rig that they use for this, you see Joe, he literally has a camera just strapped to his shoulder wearing a Santa suit, and he's like running around doing the robot movements and shit. It's so good. (laughs) I think the director plays one of the cops later, doesn't he? Uh, the neighbor. The neighbor with the, the ranchero. That's right. That's right. Yep. So uh, back over to our duo, our main duo. They're getting uh, less argumentative in their banter, and Tori finally invites Robbie home for a drink. Not a fuck. She makes that very clear. <laughs> <laughs> and their walk has them pass by the toy store just in time to hear what they think is Lana getting her asshole gaped. <laughs> they, say it, Christ, <laughs> they say it, not me. They say it. Okay, okay. There's your Gatorade bottle part. <laughs> okay. I'll give you a pass. Oh um, I can't believe I gave you a pass for that. 
but what, Merry, so, Christmas, Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> oh, but yes. what we know is that that was Santa doing the banging. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, as Tori already said, like, guys don't know how to fuck and they don't know how to eat pussy. And then he's like, I would say one guy in this room. Might be excellent at it. That all happened at the bar, right? At the bar, yes. Because he keeps yeah, coming back that, to it. That, that, comes, that's, that is foreshadowing as far as this film's concerned. Yes, major plot point. <laughs> so as the duo continues down the street, laughing, yucking I it up. your j- film picks, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I'm here for, sir. We see that Robo Santa has spotted the duo as they continue down the street. Their banter continues on towards Robbie's vehicle that they're going to hop into to go to Tori's house. And they butt heads when Bob Clark is brought up. <laughs> and of course, she's like, no, fuck that. If you want to watch a fucking Bob Clark movie, you watch fucking Black Christmas. All right. Right. Now, speaking of Bob Clark, um, Ginger's aunt got her mom the fucking leg lamp for Christmas this year. <laughs> from That is phenomenal. Christmas story. It's not the full size one. It's like the 22 inch one, but still. The fact that the same guy made a Christmas story that I watched with my kids every year, and I've watched every year since I've been alive, also made like one of the first proto slasher films is phenomenal. Yes. So after the Bob Clark headbutting, this almost makes Tori say, fuck it. <laughs> but she's like, all right, let's just go. She's trash enough. She wants to keep drinking. Oh my God. Is this the part where she starts naming every fucking terrible sequel made in the history of film? Yes. <laughs> So we're supposed to hate our taste, I think. Exactly. So they make it to her place and they argue about music some more. And then they start arguing about movie sequels. Sequels that Tori claims are superior to the originals. Her list includes Pet Cemetery 2, Nightmare on Elm Street 6. <laughs> Is Hellra- that he's dead? Yes. <laughs> okay. Hellraiser 3, Child's oh. Play 2, Alien oh, no. Covenant. <laughs> I haven't seen that one yet. <laughs> and Blair Witch, Book of Shadows, Secrets, Book whatever the Shadows. fuck it is. <laughs> I have a guilty pleasure watching that one, but it's still a shit film. And at this point, I'm on Team Robbie for the rest of the movie, and I think oh, that's yeah. the point for the audience. All she had to do was say Terminator 2, and she would have won, but she didn't do it. <laughs> I know, right? Nobody mentions fucking Terminator the entire goddamn movie. That's so funny to me. Oh, that might be intentional, huh? I know, right? Because there is a scene in here very reminiscent of Sarah Connor wrecking the fucking rig. Oh, oh, we're going to break this down fucking shot by shot, sir. Um, Because, I mean, I know me some fucking Terminator. (laughs) So after this list, Robbie basically calls her a keyboard warrior Reddit troll. (laughs) And her (laughs) her response is to grab him and start sucking face. So she's now down to fuck. And they start drunkenly. Maybe not. We're the audience right now, Jesse. We're the audience. Uh, so they start drunkenly making their way upstairs. She just wants to take them up on that offer. And we earlier. get, yes, we get our second sex scene. But the sex scene only consists of Robbie giving head because he's been talking <laughs> yeah. big shit about his pussy eating skills from the bar all the way to the house. And now he's out to prove it. So she gets hers. Judging by the scene, she agreed with yes. him for the first time in the film. And by the way, right now, this is all intercut with another happening next door yeah. which i'm gonna tell separately after this just so y'all okay, okay. um <laughs> it's so fucking weird it's like this is kind of hot dough no it's not <laughs> exactly <laughs> so afterwards tori heads downstairs to re-up before letting robbie hit it or potentially pegging robbie we don't know because they discussed both 
Yeah. But she hears a commotion next door because, meanwhile, as Santa approaches Tori's house, he hears her neighbors yelling at their child, Freddie, to go to bed. This is right around the time she says Nightmare 6. Yep. (laughs) So Santa axes their door down, axes dad in the back, then curb stomps him. Who does he ax a question? (laughs) (laughs) He axes dad in the back. The wife sees all this going on and is like, shit, and she runs to the bathroom. She ends up getting axed directly in the fucking eye, and the head wound trauma isn't that great on these two, I'm just saying. So, with the parents dead, that kid, Freddy, who wouldn't go to bed, then spots Santa. And we jump back to Tori, who sees Santa axe kid Freddy through the window from across the way. I don't say poor kid. I don't say poor Freddy. I say poor Robbie because now Robbie is not getting any or getting pegged. He ain't getting nothing. Sorry, dude. Did he want to get pegged though? He he made it seem like he was down for anything she wanted to do to his body. And he did. And she's like, did you just ask me to peg you? And he's like, okay. (laughs) Just any step closer. And he's ready to marry this woman. Yes. Yes. Can I wash your feet? I didn't feel bad for the kid though. Cause you could tell that kid had a shitty life. Yes. Yes. With shitty parents. And he's like, oh my God, Santa's real. And then Santa asked him a question. Yes. Right into his mind. So Tori being the take charge kind of chick takes charge, tells Robbie to find her phone while she wakes up her sister, Liddy and Liddy's boyfriend, Mike, who I think there's mention of don't wake someone up, yeah. but I'm completely oblivious to the, the music. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's blare some motorhead. Fuck it. While they're here's where I don't agree with Robbie. You do not put the sauce on the nachos before you put them in the fucking oven. No, you don't. That was fucking. I agree with Tori on that one. You're right. <laughs> oh, that's why she ran downstairs, right? Is because the uh, oven caught on fire. It was smoking. Or well, whatever. she made she pours another drink for. Well, starts to pour another drink and then realizes that the oven's about to be on fire. <laughs> yeah. So with uh, with Lydia and Mike woke up, Santa cuts the fucking power and he throws the dead dad body through the fucking window and it lands yep. on Robbie, which is good because Robbie's able to use it as a shield for a few axe swings. <laughs> yep. And. Uh, but it's all no use. Fucking Santa ends up hacking up Liddy and Mike while Tori and Robbie flee out the back door. Tori starts to have a fucking breakdown because her sister just died. And Robbie's like, nope, I'm going to nut up. Like, come on, we got to go. And he picks her up, puts her in his SUV. They're getting ready to take off, throws it in reverse, and they immediately crash into another neighbor's ranchero. And uh, the dude runs outside. He's like, my fucking car. He's like, oh, my God, my baby. What the fuck did you do? And all the while, Santa's just walking up behind him and he turns yep. around at the last minute and gets fucking head split in two. So our duo's like, shit, and they take off again. <laughs> Wait, no, no, no. Do they wreck first? No. Okay. So Santa, because this is what he does. Santa <laughs> then throws the corpse through the windshield. They take off yeah. again and this time immediately wreck it to a tree. <laughs> so Santa pulls Robbie through the now busted out windshield pins him down in front of the fucking car and axes him right in the face Robbie's definitely not getting anything other than what he other gave R.I.P. Robbie and I'm now sad and don't know if I want to continue the film (laughs) but we're just getting started we're halfway through the fucking movie but we're just getting started Works out. We only have two real cast members. One of them's dead. So <laughs> yes. So Officer Davy rolls up right now, just in time, and he blasts the fuck out of Santa with his boomstick, and he calls for backup. 
He grabs Tori. They both jump back into his squad car. And Tori starts going off about how it's the Santa from the store. It's gone crazy. Blah, 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 blah. And, like, she's getting more hysterical as she's saying all this. And she's talking a mile a minute. And Davies, yeah. he's just the guy that showed up on scene to a 911 call about some murders. And it's shot from yeah. the back seat. And you see Santa get up in the distance and just slowly walk closer and closer to the car as she's getting more and more hysterical until he finally jumps up on the hood. I love that shot. I that, that's yeah. that's fucking great. Um, <laughs> Davies blasts him again, and then he walks over to his body laying on the ground because they don't know it's Robo Santa, and puts the barrel <laughs> right towards his fucking face for the final fucking kill shot. But Santa grabs the barrel, and the shotgun kicks back into Davies' face, so he falls yeah. down while Santa gets up straight up like Michael Myers, the the fucking planked sit-up thing. Yeah. And uh, he grabs the shotgun and he blows Davies away. Tori, then, you know, she's smart. She slides on over to the driver's seat and runs down Santa. Then she turns around and runs his ass over again. This is when the Sand Terminator loses some of its face. Oh, shit, Sand Terminator. I love it. <laughs> so this is where the uh, random glowing Christmas ornament just appears like a cancerous tumor in his beard. Yes. And the whole movie's done with this, like, oversaturated red and green thing everywhere. Like, anything that's lit is like... Yeah, I'm okay with that. That yeah. was a great creative decision. But they it also includes the glowing glob of whatever from his chin when we get to this point. <laughs> so while driving God knows where, Tori grabs the radio because she's in a squad car. And she tries to warn the backup that's heading to the scene. But just as she's doing this, another squad car fucking pulls her over and she ends up getting cuffed instead. And they take yeah. her down to the station and she tells Sheriff Monroe what happened. And him and Officer Smith are having a very hard time believing her fucking toy Santa defense contractor gone nanners right. killing people story. It's a very unbelievable story. And but they know her. Right. Yeah. It's small town. She drinks a weed and uh whiskey, whiskey. also. Because <laughs> the one cop's a dick, but the sheriff's like you're, she does smell like whiskey and weed, but she ain't a liar. Yeah. Kind of thing, right? Yeah. 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 He's like, you know, we don't think you're a murderer, but, you know, Terminator Sand is a bit much. So uh, I say that, not Monroe. Because the other cop thinks she killed his buddy. He's going, oh, fuck, who's going to tell his wife? Yeah, because they were partners for like 15 years or some shit. So, yeah. it's, so this guy's hysterical. So she goes to the bathroom to smoke a joint. I mean, clean up. And uh, while she's in the bathroom, because she's fucking there, her and Robbie were smoking the whole time, too. She hears this commotion and uh, over uh, she's overhearing Monroe and Smith and all the backup and paramedics that have been sent to the scene are not responding to radio calls. And she knows she's like, oh, fuck. And guys, this is like the fastest thing you'll ever <laughs> hear me blast through because we're in the third act. Jesus Christ. It makes my movie look like an eternity but now. The first half of the movie is like 30 fucking pages of dialogue. That's that's the problem. Yeah. So Smith and Monroe kid up. You know, everybody's ready for the final battle. Then they hear a siren. Oh, 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 oh. What is that? Yeah, what the fuck is that? that an ambulance? Oh, fuck. It's him. Oh, Santa Claus? Yeah, it's fucking, fucking Santa, Santa Claus. Claus. It's the motherfucker that killed everybody. And Santa crashes a fucking ambulance in front of the police station. Tori takes Smith's backup pistol, and Monroe and Smith go outside for a fucking throwdown. Monroe walks behind the ambulance. We hear gunshots, and then we see what's left of his lifeless body fly through the air and land on top of another car. Sahana. Yes. Robo Santa then grabs Smith and blows his head off with his own fucking shotgun. Tori, of course, watching all this, 
realizes she's fucked. She grabs a taser and a shotgun and she hides under a desk. Santa cuts the power because that's his move and he makes his way in and he's flipping over desks and shit and he walks right past the one she's hiding under and it's like, okay, everything's cool. And we're like, there's an overhead shot. It's literally the only desk he hasn't flipped over. So we know he's just fucking with it. And he flips it over, grabs her by her hair, picks her up, slaps the shotgun out of her hand, but she tases him. She uses this as a chance to escape and he, Michael Myers, his way up once again and gives chase. Tori takes off in the ambulance, but before she can get going, fucking Santa hops in the back. So she's fucking weaving and shit. Like, what am I going to do? Because he's coming through the back of the ambulance about to get her. And she puts on her seatbelt and crashes the motherfucker into a parked car in front of the record shop, sending Santa flying out and over the parked car. Tori, being a smart motherfucker, then rams the shit out of the car until it flips, yeah. pinning Robo Santa's hand. Just like the Evil Dead remake. <laughs> mm, mm. And uh, she then sets the gas tank on fire and uh, runs into the record store while Robo Santa burns. But Robo Santa then goes full on wartime. His laser eyes engage and he rips his arm off to get free. He's full on San Terminator now and he's about, <laughs> it's about to get so on the fucking nose. <laughs> Yeah, because Santa makes his way into the store and it literally looks and feels like when the Terminator goes into the police station, not the first time, but after the I'll be back. And he's just walking through and mowing down cops and the low angle camera and everything. It feels just like that to me. Plus, we just had the exploding 18 wheeler scene where he comes out as an exoskeleton. Yes. Now our POV includes the fucking green laser eyes, which I love. It's so corny, but I fucking love it. It was not corny, though. I thought that was a really nice touch. (laughs) So him and Tori cat and mouse for a bit until she grabs a sword. Like I said at the beginning, it's not just a record store. There's like knickknacks and props and shit like that. And uh, she fucking stabs the shit out of Robo Santa, pinning him into some records. But this is Cyberdyne's finest. I mean, Solwell Robotic Products' finest machine to date. And Santa rips the sword out and gives chase once more. Tori's next move is to burn some trash to set off the sprinkler system. Smart girl. Yeah. He's electronic. We've already seen sparks fly out of him and shit. Taser fucked him up. Yes. This works, but Santa takes a couple of swings with his fucking trusty fire axe, breaks her ankle, and chops off some of her digits. So now, Tori and the Sand Terminator are both crawling across the floor, just like Mm. in the original Terminator. Mm. (laughs) Does she crush him with the thingy? Hang on. We're not to that yet. It's the next sentence. (laughs) I promise. (laughs) And this is even shot the same of like him dragging himself with the fucking one arm and her struggling with the fucking hurt leg. That's, oh, it's so good. That's, I don't care. It's so good. It's a homage, obviously. Yes, 100%. So Tori then crushes Sand Terminator with a hydraulic press. I mean, some shelving. And uh, <laughs> she then rips some conduit off the wall. That shit was not up to code. And she shoves the live wires into Santa's face and the pipe bomb explodes. Wait, that's Terminator. Um, Santa explodes and Tori crawls outside. <laughs> The sun is rising. It's a couple of slow motion shots and a Rob Zombie freeze frame on Tori's face. <laughs> Credits. <laughs> did you just cover a fucking movie in 15 minutes, bro? Dude, what did my text say? <laughs> <laughs> you know how bad I look right now? I'm glad you, you have that new shorter note system going on. <laughs> <laughs> I did, but I have to describe like John Wick fight scenes. Okay. Normal and booby traps. In your defense, this movie I just covered is a whopping 80 minutes long. Yeah. And the first was almost two hours. Yeah. Yours is a full two hours. And literally the entire first half of this movie is them talking. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't, I wasn't going to put all that in here, but once the cool thing about this movie 
because the first half is the rough half. It's like, oh God, this yeah. is, it's all dick and fart jokes. What? Are, where are we going to go? But once it goes, once Santa yeah. shows up and starts killing, it never stops. There, it, yeah. it, is, it is balls out until the credits. And I love yeah, that. That's true. You don't get that, that lull of the part of the story where everybody figures out what's going to happen right. or how fuck they are. And we got to have that slow moment. It, it just goes, 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 goes. And I it love does. it. You're that. right. And I'm real big into character pieces or character development or whatever you call it. And and that's really what it took for me to watch this movie the first time is I got really big into the main two characters and then you, you want to see what happens. Right. Yeah. And that's why I enjoyed it much more on the second watch. And honestly, like, I mean, us and almost everybody we know talks like they do. It just comes off weird in movies sometimes. And you're like, oh, they're just trying to be Kevin Smith, right? <laughs> but it's like they're relatable characters. You know, they're they're not great people, but they're relatable. Yes, totally. And I love that their sex scene is built up by Robbie talking about how he gives great head. And that's all yeah. they end up doing, unlike most yeah. movies where either it's the the old school way of the girl ends up giving head or they just bang. Instead, it's flipped on its fucking ear and Robbie yeah. takes care of her first. She's the tough chick through the whole damn movie. Yep. She's in control of the whole believable. damn movie. Yeah. Yeah. She has shit opinions in music and film, but yeah. she's a badass the whole movie. Yeah. yeah. She's Sarah Connor. Yeah, she, exactly. Only Sarah Connor, you know, she had that, that nice, soft, multi- cut wipe fade sex scene um <laughs> i thought you're gonna talk about her very layered and feathery hair no 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 i i vividly remember that being one of the first movies that my parents let me watch but i had to close my eyes during that scene yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah i guess I it was the same too. for you <laughs> but we're not here to talk about terminator even yes we, we are did for 15 minutes uh <laughs> santa terminator damn it. episodes there's lots of christmas horror films and we watch a lot of them. Honestly, I hated this movie the first time. However, I will probably watch it once a year. I could see it. Well, and the other part being, there are a fuck ton of terrible Christmas horror movies. I mean, okay. Oh, yeah. So the, the actual Mike Doherty Krampus is the good Krampus. There's like seven yeah. other Krampus movies and they're no, all God not. awful. I'm not happy with myself because I didn't watch a Christmas horror story this year. Yeah, we didn't watch it either. It's when I, actually, I might watch it tonight when we're done while I'm waiting on your slow-ass fucking internet to upload your fucking WAV file. No, no, no. It's fast. It's just unstable as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and, and to all of our listeners, we plan to record every episode in Josh's studio next year, but we plan that this year, too. However, if we remotely record, Josh is going to have fiber at his house. As of Friday. Yes. That like the inner duct has already been plowed and is poking up out of the ground in front of my house. Like I'm really like I've given them money. Like I'm that close to getting fiber. <laughs> so shit's going to get better. Y'all what the content Jesus. And uh, hopefully we get some more bangers for Christmas for next year. Yes. Hopefully we get some new stuff. Cause right now I'd have to go wading through some of that bullshit. I was just talking about. There's more Christmas horror movies than you're thinking of, but I, I think it's really neat that we both covered a film that was only a year old. Yes. This year. If it takes place on Christmas, I will be covering terrifier three. You bet your ass. And we made that joke <laughs> last episode, but I will. He will. My list is so fucking long for Christmas that I don't even know. <laughs> There's a lot out there. Uh, it's fun. And, and you know, Josh said he's not real big into Christmas, but I always have been, and I have kids now, so I have to be. 
right? Yeah. So I love touchy-feely Christmas flicks. And, like, horror directors and writers, like, if you can squeeze that, like, essence, it's like a scent on top of the film you made, I fucking, I eat it up. I, th- I think it's a really nice touch to make it feel like a family Christmas movie while definitely not being a Christmas movie. <laughs> Yes, Violent Night touches all or checks all the boxes, touches all the bases. Christmas Bloody Christmas is more your dick and fart, gore hound, yeah, rock and roll. Because truth be told, I had forgotten that Josh hadn't seen The Fat Man, and yeah, I wanted yeah. to do Violent Santa this year, and I was like, I'll do Violent Night, and you'll do The Fat Man. He's like, I haven't seen that yet, but I have an idea for a different Violent <laughs> Santa movie. <laughs> and honestly, The Fat Man would have paired quite well with this film, but is also more drama than anything so yeah you know me and i'm i'm friggin' half sloshed by the time we get to the second movie anyway so i i have to make mine dumb <laughs> i wish i had full effects of the eggnog this year uh you guys didn't get this but it, at some point when we were recording and talking about how we were like late doing the christmas episode my wife comes running downstairs jesse jesse stop what you're doing i need you and i get up we actually had a a leak of water coming down from the second floor into my living room turns out it was one of the kids fucking with water in the bathroom so like we had like a, a decently long break in there yeah we did well i had to troubleshoot the plumbing i kept drinking and, uh <laughs> yeah well, i mean i got sober from what i had already drank and there's only so much eggnog in the house so i've now stolen my father-in-law's pbr and it's not really like scratching that itch well we're going to scratch some itches on the next one, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, because uh, Josh kept naming some horror musicals he wanted to cover, and I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? And then the apocalypse. <laughs> Finally for you guys. But that's it for the Christmas 2023 episode, so you guys are going to have to tune in for the next episode where we cover horror musicals again. Stage is all yours. Why don't you give us all a show? As usual, guys, thanks for downloading the show and spreading the word. Please do not forget to rate and review us online and send us comments, questions, and suggestions to our email, sbspodcast at gmail.com. We would also love it if you could follow our Twitter and Instagram, both at sbspodcast. See you guys in the next one. Thanks for listening. Christmas dies tonight.